Friday, Friday Eve, getting you ready for the weekend, keeping it low-key today, just some easy reggae music, taking you back to the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, early 2000s, that is, you listen to the voice of Ed Robinson knocking on heaven's door, so many things going on around the world, you're alive, not in the hospital, can put your two feet down, you better give thanks, be grateful. Keep your head lifted up, don't you dare put it down. You will not be defeated, hold that head up high. Lift up your head, that's what Everton Blenda is telling us. Stop till the battle is won and we get justice. That's so right. If you lose your stand. Anyone will try to push you over. over. Let me go ahead and pull this reminder up. Lift up your head and hold it.
You know, as I'm listening to the words of the song, this is a conversation I have a lot. Um, life is simple. We're the ones who complicate it. And a lot of what we go through, and I'm not saying everything, but a lot of what we go through, if we just step back for a minute and think about it, it's self-inflicted. It's self-inflicted. A lot of the pain, the anguish, the anxiety, the frustration, the stress, it is self-inflicted. It is what we allow ourselves to become victims of. It's all about what we put on the pedestal in our life. What are we serving? Are we serving things or are we serving God? You choose. You don't have to believe in God and that's okay. I know I do. But if we stop for a second, just stop and think about a lot of the things that you've gone through. How many of those things are as a result of the choices we have made? And let's be honest with ourselves. In light of everything that has come to the forefront in the news recently, you know, we all face trials. We all face tribulations. We all face hardships. We all have to face obstacles, hurdles, valleys to go down into and mountains to climb but there's something that we have it's called free will we have the freedom to choose which way to go and how we're gonna go through whatever it is that we have to face a lot of times we have not because we ask not we did a knock on doors we didn't pick up the phone, but most importantly, we didn't pray. We tend to go to everything else before we turn to our provider. Just a few choice words this morning as I'm thinking about everything that's going on in the world around us. A lot of times there is an outlet but we are so blinded and we don't open our eyes and, our, and think. And then we get ourselves in situations. And then trying to get ourselves out of one situation, we create another situation. I can put my hand up. I think we've all been guilty of this at some point or another. And at the end of it, you're like, damn, why did I do that? Why did I listen to that person? Why did I go there? Why wasn't I thinking clearly? It happens. But in all of that, I'm going to ask you to do this one thing. Give yourself grace. Forgive yourself. Acknowledge. Hold yourself accountable. And make a conscious decision that you're going to move differently. Don't be afraid to have those conversations with yourself. If you can't be honest with yourself, who are you going to be honest with? Apologize to yourself for making the, the decisions you have made, for allowing yourself to become victim to certain things. Dust yourself off. 
get up, dust yourself off, hold your head up and move forward. And everything in life is a lesson. It's a lesson. Yes, we look at it as losses, but everything we have experienced, we need to be able to walk away having learned something. And that's my spiel for today. Someone like you to make me happy, never, never make me blue. Come on, dance with me. Come, them of the whining skittle, whining skittle. Girl in Jamaica, of the whining skittle, whining skittle, whining skittle. Girl, all about them of the whining skittle. Pon them right foot on them, a wine. Them left foot and them a wine. Sissy still more time in the dance as if them stand. Sissy still but them build and waistline it a move. Sissy still man a watch them and man a get chill 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 whining skittle, whining skittle. Girl in Jamaica have the whining skittle, whining skittle, whining skittle. Girl all about them have the whining skittle. Come. Rock a shoulder from side to side Just like a ship, me said that bout to capsize Hand up on her back, it rest on her spine Bottom just a spin like spinning dub wise Come! Early to bed, I miss it, early your eyes I and I entertain her and we do it exercise Them of the whining skittle, whining skittle Girl in Jamaica of the whining skittle Whining skittle, whining skittle Girl all about them of the whining skittle Good morning to all our listeners around the world logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Thank you to everyone listening on JohnnoRadio.com. And of course, you know I already got to say good morning to my studio audience, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Thursday, January 19, 2023. Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. It's all about music in retrospect. Thank you so much for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Here's a little garnet silk for you, and then we're going to get into the headlines. Synchronize our minds It's growing This love inside of me Oh, and it's showing Shining so bright It's growing I know this love of mine Yes, it is showing Just can't hide A prayer for you And a prayer for me, 
time for us to go ahead and get into the headlines gotta say good morning once again to everyone listening online on qmzradio.com and johnnoradio.com and good morning to my studio audience courtesy of clubhouse Coming up for you today, out of the Caribbean corner, Gaston Brown re-elected as Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda. CBC says migrants and refugees are from Syria, Afghanistan, and Cuba. And that story is out of the Cayman Islands. Out of Trinidad and Tobago, three TTDF officers held in connection with kidnapping and murder. NYC mayor seeks emergency aid amid influx of Caribbean asylum seekers. The USA is saying that you can apply for asylum through this application. I will give you that information. In stories out of Jamaica, Williams orders CPFSA to cut ties with children's home. And a chapa life around the place right now because there is another fraud probe, this time at Knox Community College. Huh, fraud life was say, yeah. <laughs> Lawyer for XSSL employee livid at document in public domain. Really? Livid? Okay then. So, what's next for SSL and its clients after the fraud scandal? And the FSC dodges SSL oversight questions in unfolding fraud saga. But here is the kicker. FSC is mum on conflict of interest questions regarding the SSL. Oh boy, we have a lot to talk about this morning. Mm. 
Get your tea, get your coffee. Oh, yeah. Out of Latin America, United Nations expresses concern over Guatemala investigations and Venezuela's teachers march for better pay amid soaring inflation. On the international scene, New Zealand's Prime Minister resigns, sets October election date, and the world's oldest person dies at 118 years old. In news out of North America, police report reveals driver was speeding in the SUV crash that killed the U uh, University of Georgia football player and the staffer. And police have arrested a suspect who attempted to abduct a barista through a drive through window. We're going to have those stories and more coming up out of North America. Uh, in business and tech news, the Justice Department charges Russian founder of cryptocurrency firm and Microsoft is laying off employees. Oh boy. Uh, America's largest party supply store has filed for bankruptcy, but there is a good job offer here because netflix is offering up to three hundred and eighty-five thousand dollars a year yeah for a position we'll talk about that of course we're going to have health and science news sports news believe it or not news trump and believe it or not trump is criticizing evangelical leaders for not backing his 2024 presidential bid. We're going to have the details of those stories and more coming right up. Here's a little from Barris. Can't go wrong with Barris. Let's go ahead and just rock away for a little bit. Let's go. Someone's bound to come and try to stop. 
Hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday. We're playing songs in retrospect. We're taking it back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, and some good reggae music for you coming through. Talk about love. Talk about what? Pull this one up, Romaine Virgo, Soul Provider. Today's a good day to have a good day. It's all about what you make it. Pity, I gotta cut this one. Remain Virgo, soul provider. But it's time for us to go ahead and get started. And we're starting off in the Caribbean corner. And our first story, courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. We accept the win, even if it's nine or ten seats, says Gaston Brown. 
Political leader of the Antigua and Barbuda Labour Party, ABLP, Gaston Brown, has promised supporters that with his re-election as Prime Minister of Antigua and Barbuda, he will work to resolve all of the problems which citizens need to be addressed, including water, roads and employment. In his victory speech early this morning, following the results of the general election, Brown said the victory was not only historic but significant as all the conditions to win an election were in favor of the opposition UPP. Brown noted his party had to contend with a number of crises, including climate change, which created water problems for the people, and COVID-19, which resulted in unemployment and ultimately people blaming the government. We have time now to recover our economy fully, to put you back to work and solve all of the issues, water issues, road issues, infrastructure issues. I give you my word, I will resolve those problems. He said another thing that was supposed to work in favor of the opposition UPP was that the ABLP was going up for a third term, which is usually difficult to get. So... He's saying today, I am eternally grateful. When co- congratulations to you, uh, Mr. Brown. Uh, uh, Javette, I see the eyes. How you feel? How you feel about him? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm not speaking to my older family members about it. Okay. So <laughs> I'm still up in the air. Okay. But- if you're in this seat for how many years, he said. Well, this is his third term. To, and he's going to solve the problems <laughs> that's been there from since you first started. Let me just say that and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what a term is in Antigua. So I'm going to assume it's four years. So he has done eight years. What has he accomplished? Now we do understand that the pandemic is nobody's fault. When I, when I say nobody, I'm talking about the Caribbean islands. It's not the government of Antigua and Barbuda's fault that there was COVID. But what are the plans as far as employment goes? Because I think that comes before you even talk about roads. I think water and employment probably are top of the um, list what are the plans all right so i hope he has he and his team have some concrete plans in place to get this done because mm, yeah now water i'm going to assume has been an ongoing issue everybody is aware of um what is happening as far as the climate is concerned globally you have these conferences, the, the world leaders meeting, they're talking about climate change. Are we walking away with um, solutions to counter the effects? What are we doing? Uh, rainfalls in the Caribbean, what catchment systems do we have in place? That's all I want to know. All right, so let's see... Um, Javet, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> For our next story, we head on up to the Cayman Islands. 
CBC says migrants and refugees are from Syria, Afghanistan, and Cuba. Story courtesy of cayman.loopnews.com. In response to a Freedom of Information request, FOI, the Customs and Border Control Service, CBC, confirmed that as of January 13, 2023, there were 347 migrants in the Cayman Islands. In providing this FOI data, CBC clarified that persons who await determination of their refugee status are referred to as migrants and refugee protection is provided until such determination is made. Concerning this, CBC said that at current there are migrants and refugees from Syria, Afghanistan, Cuba, in the Cayman Islands. As to the number of arrivals to Cayman shores from 2019 to 2022, CBC said the total was 441, with 20 in 2019, 18 in 2020, 20 in 2021, and 383 in 2022. Taking a deep dive into the 383 arrivals for 2022, CBC provided a monthly breakdown showing six arrivals in January, none in February, June, and July, 10 in March, 17 April, 15 May, 11 in August, 15 in September, 99 in October, 84 in November, and 38 in December. Regarding what anti-money laundering, anti-terrorist financing, and criminal and background checks are completed For each immigrant, the CBC said, disclosure may present a risk to the national security posture of these islands. Okay, so it's not just they're they're coming from all over, from all over. Everybody is seeking a better life. Um, Yeah. Trinidad and Tobago. We're hopping all over the islands, right? So we're heading back south. TNT. Three TTDF officers have been held in connection with kidnapping and murder. Story courtesy of tt.loopnews.com. The Trinidad and Tobago Defense Force has revealed that three of its personnel have been detained in relation to the death of a member of the public who was kidnapped on January 9. 34-year-old Teddy Sylvester was kidnapped in Marivelle two weeks ago by armed men wearing clothing marked police. His body was found on January 13 off Cadet Road. In a brief press release issued on Wednesday, the Defense Force said the TTDF is currently assisting the Trinidad and Tobago Police Service in the conduct of its investigations and will continue to do so as required. No further details can be provided at this time due to the sensitivity of ongoing investigations. NYC mayor seeks emergency aid amid influx of Caribbean asylum seekers. Story courtesy of Caribbean.loopnews.com. New York City Mayor Eric Adams has submitted an emergency mutual aid request to New York State for immediate help to shelter what he describes as a massive influx of arriving Caribbean and other asylum seekers. Adams said these asylum seekers include Haitian, Cubans, and Venezuelans. He said in a statement three months ago, I spoke directly to New Yorkers about the crisis of asylum seekers that has driven our shelter system to record levels and strained our city. On that day, I said we would surpass the highest number of people 
in recorded history in our city's shelter system and that every day after we would set a new record. We're now seeing more people arrive than we've ever seen, averaging over 400 people each day this last week, with 835 asylum seekers arriving on one single day, the largest single-day arrival seen to date. All this is pushing New York City to the brink. The mayor said that since last year, New York City has stepped up to welcome about 40,000 asylum seekers, providing them with shelter, food, and connections to a host of resources. He said the city has opened 74 emergency shelters and four humanitarian relief centers at breakneck speed and done this almost entirely on our own. I would love to hear how the New Yorkers feel. How do they feel? Do they feel burdened? Do they feel that the city of New York is doing the right thing? And is this burden, I shouldn't say burden, is this influx, let me correct myself, is this influx as a result wholly or in part due to the governor of Texas shipping out folks. And, of course, you know, we have Ron DeSantis who is helping to put that bill. Uh, or are these people coming in on flights into New York or, you know, finding themselves on the shores of the U.S. and then making their way to New York? I would love to hear a breakdown of how the asylum seekers um, have made their way there. But how is New York coping? Hi, good morning. Go ahead, Afa. Good morning. Good morning. Ground rising. Ground rising. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. We don't have to hear that for real because um, I know that there was this town in Chicago. Um, the Chicago mayor said that she was going to put some Haitian migrants in that community and. The community actually voiced them opinion saying that they don't want them there um, because them already have so much um, problem going on already. So they were like, why not try this other tone? I don't even remember the next tone. Uh, but I can find a report and I send it to you still because I actually watch a video. Right. Like a, yeah, like a news. So I'm say, yo, send them to that tone. They actually, that city, they actually have the resources. Why you're going to send them to a uh, a, a, a city, you know, or another side of the town that, you know, um, don't have the resources and already have pro some problem going on. Send them over to the other side that already have the resources and that can actually help them. So they're like, they're saying, yeah, we don't want them over that side and hopefully she can see, see this and change our mind, our work or something else. You know what I mean? So we I feel all the New Yorkers them feel as well about that. Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing that um, up, Afo. So, of course, I, you know me, jumping on Google. I plugged in which states are underpopulated in the U.S. Wyoming, population 581,075. Vermont, 623,251. District of Columbia, 714,153. Alaska, 724-357. North Dakota, 770-026. South Dakota, 896-581. Delaware, 
uh, and uh, Rhode Island, 1,061,509. Montana has a population of 1,085,004. And Maine, population 1,354,522. And this is as of um, spring 2021. So you're probably wondering, why, why am I asking? Why do I want to know that? I want to know that because I think it would be more reasonable to locate folks in underpopulated states because I honestly think New York is bursting at its seams. I think New York, me, my personal opinion, and I may be wrong. I mean, I don't live there. Um, for those folks who have lived there, for example, Javette, you've lived there. Rosolo, you've lived there. Um, Tasha lives there. How do you feel about the population in New York? Do you think it's overwhelming? Or do you think New York can hold more? Go right ahead, Javette. So for me, I mean, I haven't been there for about 15 years now, but I've never paid attention to population growth in New York. It, it, it really wasn't a thing for me to pay attention to. I mean, even here in Texas, people complain about the population growth. Um, all I see is more traffic, but it, we're saying we're speaking on immigrants. So they in New York, you have mass transit. We know those problems, but it was never an issue for me. Could be because I'm an immigrant or was. <laughs> so those things just weren't as important for me or to me okay fair enough thank you so much uh, who was that uh dre go ahead yes go right ahead dre um remember also that um immigrants seek to go to places like new york for a particular reason it's easier for them to get around um because the good transportation is easy for them to find jobs. Um, it's easy for them to live and move around. Um, in the states that's underpopulated, a lot of those states, they don't have, they don't have the resources. They have the space, but they don't have jobs and, 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 and stuff like that that can really accommodate a lot of these asylum seekers. Okay. All right. Thank you for pointing that out. So let me ask a question, Dre. In light of that, wouldn't it be an, we talk about um, wanting to improve uh, or to create jobs in the U.S. We talk about buying products made in the U.S. Wouldn't that be an opportunity for the government and um, governors and business uh, folks to put their heads together and see how we can create industries within these underpopulated states so that we can make more products in the U.S. and that we become less dependent on import from, say, from China. And um, with the creation of these industries, it would then look feasible for immigrants, refugees to want to move to those states because they see that there is the possibility to make a living, a decent living, and um, move forward. How do you feel about that? Um, well, remember, some of these places, you know, um, stay underdeveloped for a reason. They want it that way. They don't want nobody there. 
So a lot of the times, um, the government there shut out certain industry. They would tell you, okay, we are we are a farming place, and um, if you're going in there to do tech or whatever, they shut you out. They just don't want an influx of people, just like, say, for instance, in Florida, right? When they're looking at doing that bullet train thing, and they shut it down because they don't want that transit there because they don't want nobody coming there, right? Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, the, the entertainment industry, like the movie industry in Florida, they shut it down. So certain states just don't want certain things. They just good. They they good being underpopulated. They good the way it is. And and some states is just not good for investment. Some states is just like a farm state. Um, those places cold too. So you know, but yeah, it's, it, it's just based on the government and what they want. They 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 don't want the improvement. They're good the way they are. Okay. All right. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. Um. Rosolo says in the chat, I agree with Dre 1000%. Geely said, there is a lot of space in New York State. Problem is, nobody really wants to live that far from the city. Okay. All right. So with pulling up the least populated states, of course, I have to make mention of the most populated states in the U.S. California comes in at number one with 39.6 million. Texas. 29.7 29.7 million, Florida, 21.9 million, New York, 19.299. Wow, that's call it 19.3 million. Pennsylvania, 12.8 million, Illinois, 12.5, Ohio, 11.7, Georgia, 10.8, North Carolina, 10.7, Michigan, 9.9. Michigan is almost at 10 million. Okay. And I'm and I'm sure these numbers could be higher too because there are people that um, have not done the census. Right. Agree. I don't know. I, 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 I worry about New York, but Geely says the space is there. Nobody wants to move out into the, um, what, you, what you call it, the suburbs? The Go ahead, Donna. Go right ahead. I think the biggest problem in New York we're looking at is the, the price of housing, the cost of housing. Because I think there were one survey that said New York has paid on the average like up to 60% of their income sometimes in certain cases in housing. I mean, so in the city area, that could get worse. I mean, if you go upstate or you go away from the city, it becomes easier to settle and housing and stuff like that. But... Um, in the city itself, I could see that being a problem. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the main issues you'd have to deal with here in New York. Um, another thing, again, too, the governments have to look at, listen, there are people living in this country for 30 and 40 years, working and doing everything. Legalize these people and them, let them contribute to taxes and contribute to social services and so on, and get money that is going under the table into the mainstream. You understand? All that would help free up and, and finance certain stuff and so on. I just find there, there could be better programs in place. It's wanting to just take in people, but you have to have better programs in place at least to help people at the lower echelon of society. Right. Agreed. 
Thank you, Donald. And in the chat, let me check the chat once again. Sanet says California still has a lot of space. Like Geely mentioned, people would prefer to live in the cities. Driving in Arizona, I saw the same thing hundreds and hundreds of miles with nothing, just roads. But valid points are made. It's um, uh, uh, Dre, you, you made a very valid point. Or you highlighted something of um, value, I should say, um, that many of us may not have been aware of. It's that there are some states that just don't want certain things there when it comes to industry. And uh, as such, they want to remain the way they are. So, they, you know, they're good that way. Um, to your point, Donald, I agree. And this is something I think we have spoken about it here on Coffee and Toe, that I, I think the government whether it's the Republican in office or it's the um, Democrats in office, I think they have missed the mark. They are, you know, everybody's, oh, don't bring them in, bring, don't bring them in. Okay, well, let's focus on those who are here. How can we give them residency status? Because that's a lot of tax, tax dollars. You talk, you, you sit and complain that they're a burden to our economy. They're a burden on the health system. They're a burden on state economies. Well, let's pivot. Yeah, but the thing is, like, even from the health system point of view, from my limited understanding, you could say, oh, these people don't have health care and so on. But I don't think in New York you could deny somebody health care if they go into the emergency room. So what you probably find happening is that people wait till they're sick and they have no other choice. They go into the emergency room. They have to be taken care of. But it costs about three or four times more for a patient in the emergency room than in regular to see a regular doctor. So why can't you make these things easier? So people go to a regular doctor. They, go, they stay healthier. They're more productive. Because at the end of the day, they still end up in the emergency room. You still have to see them. You still have to foot the bill. So there are just some things that are just backward. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, let's hope they can put their noodles together and figure it out, right? Uh, come up with some solution to address the problem. Go right ahead, Jennifer. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, the one thing when I hear everybody um, that speaks to me is that we are discussing the changes we would like to see. But um, in order to get the changes that um, in all these places where it's underpopulated, all that, we have to, those with these ideas and hearts in mind, um, need to occupy local offices. The federal government is not making these choices locally. These are people, like you say, who don't want change. And therefore, you have to come and pull up and sit at the table and have discussions that bring it to resolving things. Um, for example, uh, in your own community, in your own neighborhood, you could, and there's lots of offices open, and I know because I've seen, for precinct committee people. And those are people that are actually like your neighbors or whatever. You can choose to be that. But you advocate for those people around there. You network with them. You discuss with them. You go to the um, town meetings. You bring the data back. But if you, um, and just like other people near you, you start finding out who those people are and they network, you become 
<clears throat> the people that are talking to the people making the decisions and you can negotiate like <clears throat> for example um there are people in the libertarian party that we are in arizona and we are discussing to have work programs to make the border situation better that we can set up <clears throat> work programs that make it more um easier for uh, the system to not be quote unquote taxed as others say when it comes to the resources but you know we can sit around all day and talk about i hope they get it together well <laughs> we we have to get it together y'all yeah we have to speak out i've been at the capitol in the past two years 25 times in my state wow. i'm standing up for my rights when nobody has their voice you need to be that way in the way that god created you to do that you know like I'm an outward person because of what I've been through and I don't mind being that person. Like, but that's not for everybody, but I'm going to be out there trying to make a voice, but that's my part, right? right. My part is working with the other parties. Cause I'm libertarian, for example. And, um, and I do partner with them when it comes to medical issues, health issues. Um, I'm not on board with all their shenanigans. Um, but the thing is about it is, you know, um, when it comes to when they were saying about how other states don't want it and all that, why doesn't the government create a work over here in Maine per se or whatever? Because they're global now. They make more money from China, everything. Their motivation federally, they're not, they're not there. But each state has its own sovereignty in a way. So we have some break to make those changes. And that's why all these other states can just stay like they are, refute who they want, da, 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 da. Because nobody's trying to go over there. Nobody's trying to infiltrate their local politics. Nobody's willing to be bold enough to sit next to them, even though they're hatred, hating kind of people, you know, whatever, you know, because racism is real, especially in the state of Maine. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is like, you know, you can't send soft people over there to deal with that shit either. Um, <clears throat> you know, so those that do like to see that and see that as opportunities, those people, if they got together, can help create opportunities for those people that don't have it to go. That could be local fundraising. Again, I'm just encouraging everybody to go to their town halls and, and, and soak in what's happening in their neighborhood a little bit more and pray about considering serving. Um, who wants to be in politics? Nobody. <laughs> but that's what's going on. We all are sitting back with our common sense going, what the hell? And um, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Jennifer. We're, we're on live radio, so I just want you to watch uh, your swear oh. words. Thank oh, you. Forgive me. I had no idea. That's oh, no problem. No disrespect to nobody. I, but I get fired up about this stuff because, because that's just it. I don't want to sit down no more. I'm tired of sitting. Um, so, you know, I just want to encourage everybody. It doesn't mean do you got to go do all these random things. But say, for instance, maybe you don't. But maybe you look up who your actual precinct committee person is. Ask them what's going on in your city or right in your on your street even. And ask how you can support them to go do what you need to. And tell them that as your representative, your precinct person's representative, like you tell them, this is important to me. What are we doing about this? Can you tell me? 
Are there programs in play? How can I support those programs or whatever? You can find uh, local ways to make a bigger impact um, and and get people moving to places where it could be um, healthier for them, all these things. So, And um, the transit part is completely valid. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jennifer. And I have to agree with you. We are complacent as a whole. We are. We are, and we have spoken about this several times here, the need to get up and go out there and uh, interact, get to know who our representatives are. I know Javette is very emphatic about that. Javette has stated, I vote. I vote in every election at the various levels. I know Sunet has talked, they vote about everything over there in California, everything. And we have to, use that and you're right we have to get out there interact let them see our faces let them hear our voices and you know as they like to say we need to get off our laurels all right thank you very much everyone for your input our next story uh courtesy of haiti.loopnews.com you can apply for asylum through this application People in Central and Northern Mexico are now allowed to apply for asylum to enter the United States through the CBP-1 mobile application. The U.S. government made the announcement on Thursday, January 12th. The use of this application is free. Eligible migrants will have to make an appointment with U.S. authorities at a port of entry where they will determine whether they should be allowed to enter the country. According to the information available on the application, migrants who want their files to be processed at a port of entry will have to prove that they have at least one of the following vulnerabilities. Physical or mental illness, disability, pregnancy, lack of housing or safe shelter in Mexico. Migrants under 21 or over 70 and those who have been threatened or harmed in Mexico will also be considered for the process. After attestation of their vulnerability, the CBP1 app, and that's C as in Charlie, B as in Bob, P as in Paul, the CBP1 app will ask migrants to submit biographical information about themselves and their families, as well as a photo of their face. They will then receive an appointment to report to one of eight ports of entry in Arizona, California, or Texas. With this process, migrants seeking a Title 42 humanitarian exemption will no longer need to be referred by non-governmental organizations, which had the responsibility of sending lists of migrants to the U.S. government for the past few months. When Title 42 is finally lifted, this new feature will join one of the many tools and processes this administration provides for individuals to seek protection in a safe, orderly, and humane manner and to strengthen the security of our borders. And all of this is according to Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Under the program, the Biden administration was processing 
thousands of port of entry asylum seekers each month, according to CBS News. The outlet reports that last November, port of entry officials processed 20,696 migrants under Title 42 humanitarian exemptions. And we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we will have stories out of Jamaica. Here's a little uh, half pint for you. Keep it locked. Whenever she passes by, she always finds herself with another guy. She even goes far to say that I'm her superstar. But girl, oh girl, I'm not a substitute lover. Oh no, oh girl. Someone to say you're not at home Girl, you always have an alibi It seems to me you have another guy Don't pretend to climb your love ladder Or get caught up in your rapture You see, girl, oh girl Don't take me for no substitute lover Oh no, Ooh. oh girl Thank you to all our listeners logged on to the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com. Thank you to everyone listening on JanoRadio.com. And of course, I have to say a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm 
is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday Music and Retrospect, taking you back to the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with the music we're playing today. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to Coffee Intel World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. This is where I read the news and we share our views. Keep it locked. Introduce me to your latest lover 
Gotta squeeze in two more. Where is Romaine Virgo? Can't sleep. This is a serious time. Violence and crime and up here gunting the youths and up on the mind. Oh, them bust it when rain a fall. You know, sister, them no care. Them your youth bust it all when sun a shine. Once again to everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.com for quality music while you work or play. Remember to keep it logged on to www.QMZRadio.com. And a big thank you to everyone tuned in to JanoRadio.com. Download the Jano Radio app, J-A-H-K-N-O. It is available in your Apple and Google Play stores. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And of course, I got to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me. You're listening to Coffee in Tow World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Coming up after this one from Singing Melody, we're going to continue with the rest of the stories out of the Caribbean corner. Say what, lady, oh, yeah. saying to me. 
Alright, thank you, singing melody. It's time for us to go ahead and get back to business. And here are the rest of st- the stories out of the Caribbean corner. Gas. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Almost read the wrong one. Williams orders CPFSA to cut ties with Children's Home. Uh, story courtesy of Jamaica.LoopNews.com. Minister of Education and Youth, Favel Williams, has directed the Child Protection and Family Services Agency to cut ties with Jamaica Relief Ministries, JRM, an entity operating a children's home in the western end of the island and which has ties with the Carl Robansky-headed Embracing Orphans. Oh boy, more, more, more coming out? All right. The directive from Williams follows a damning report from the Office of the Children's Advocate, OCA, of its investigation into questionable happenings at the CPFSA, including the relationship between the Chief Executive Officer of the CPFSA, Rosalie Gage Gray and Robansky, and the relationship between JRM and Embracing Orphans. Of course, we all know that Robansky had his teaching license suspended in the United States over his inappropriate interactions with the minor. The OCA's probe found that the operators of Embracing Orphans and JRM are more than just casual acquaintances. Williams, in a statement on Wednesday, noted that the OCA, in the report on its investigations, confirmed that JRM is an entity that is closely associated with embracing orphans. The principals know each other, and they have traditionally partnered with each other on projects which target children in Jamaica. The degrees of separation from embracing orphans are therefore not too far removed. Embracing orphans operated father's house where wards of the state are housed. Meanwhile, Williams said a staff audit assessment will be undertaken to build the skills of social workers and others in the child protection sector. Qualification requirements will be adjusted for new entrants into the sector in accordance with the higher standards and duty of care needed in the sector, the minister said. And she said her ministry will work with international partner UNICEF that recently completed an evaluation of Jamaica's child protection system. Chief among UNICEF's findings is the need for stronger monitoring of the operations of the child protection system, increased accountability of key stakeholders, and improved enforcement capacity. As such, UNICEF's calls for an independent accountability and oversight mechanism for the operations of the child protection system aligns well with the intent of the government. She also disclosed that a cabinet submission is being prepared to seek approval to amend the laws to transition the CPFSA from being an executive agency guided by an advisory board that can only provide non-binding advice to the management of the CPFSA to an entity with a board of directors that can provide stronger governance. So, My question 
you needed an external body to come in and pretty much do an audit and evaluation and tell you what needs to be done? Are you trying to tell me that we don't have people who are qualified with number one, basic common sense, number two, people who are able to make reasonable assessments grounded on common sense, you had to call in or you had to have an international partner. You know, that, that is something that I have an issue with and I've always had an issue. With, and I, I think many of us have had that concern as it has been expressed here several times. We're always reliant on outsiders to come in to tell us what to do. We respect outsiders more. It's as though we lack vision. Or is it that nobody just respects what we have to say? What is it? I don't think it's that moment. I think when you have a form of corruption, you need to have people that are outside of the government or the company that we're having the issue with or that you're having the corruption with. You need to have like, as we say, independent auditors, someone that does not have a hand in what's going on or someone that doesn't play a part in what's going on. Right. Great point, Javette. Very good point. But can't we find said people within the country? We're, we're not able to. So you're telling me that the country has nobody that would qualify? I don't know. I think it has to do with funding and um, who's willing to fund it and why it moves the way it moves. And it comes back to these systems that are in play for so long and the relationships they've had for so long. There's not enough fresh blood to make those changes. Mm. Another good point. Thank you, Jennifer. But she still is at the helm, um, <laughs> uh, Javette. Remember yesterday we were wondering why she's still there, um, Gage Gray? She's still there as CEO. And with each passing day, my theory, I'm sorry, I can't get away from what I feel and what I theorize. She has to be holding secrets. There is more. But as, as, as I was speaking with my mom last night, and she's like, she can understand what the heck is going on. <sighs> Why she hasn't been removed. Other people are wondering the same thing. And it doesn't take rocket, a rocket scientist to put the pieces together. But now people are starting to question, huh? Who else is behind this? Who is she covering for? Who? There's an issue at hand. In our next story, let me put the link at the top because I don't know what's going on with us. I really don't know that us, but. I don't know what's going on. Let, let, me, let me phrase it that way. Next headline. Another fraud probe, this time at Knox Community College. 
Story courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. Several members of the staff of staff of the accounts department at Knox Community College in Spalding, Clarendon, have been sent on leave to facilitate a criminal investigation following the discovery of a multi-million dollar fraud scheme at the institution. Principal Dr. Davia Ramjeet said the matter has been reported to the school's board of management. Auditors, the Deputy Commissioner of Police for the Crime and Security Portfolio, the Minister of Education, the General Secretary of the United Church in Jamaica and the Cayman Islands, and the Fraud Prevention Unit of the National Commercial Bank, which is the school's banker. While the school did not confirm how much money was reportedly defrauded, Loop News has gathered that the sum could be in the millions. We recently discovered certain irregularities involving the falsification of a number of checks issued by the college. The discovery was prompted by a recent call from our bankers seeking to verify three checks presented to them on the day. Three checks with numbers coinciding with ones issued by the college, but apparently altered to reflect greater amounts. Subsequent internal checks revealed that other check items had in fact been paid previously. The matter is now under full investigation by the relevant authorities, and in the meantime, some of the staff in the accounts department have been placed on administrative leave. The principal also noted that contingency measures have been implemented to ensure business continuity. <laughs> I tell you, I heard him on corporate chopper, them out, man. <laughs> I guess them all listen to the, the, the chopper music, them, you know? And I do the thing too. So, you know, no. where, where, where Andrew Olin's office say, the music, why the, the corporate choppers, them go sad? <laughs> Choppy line, oh. Listen, I don't know if I'm to laugh or I'm to cry. The checks were altered. So good catch on the bank's um, part. Because if a check is altered, you're supposed to have a signature by the alteration. From my knowledge um, in how disbursement operates in, within schools, <laughs> Usually, it's two signatures minimum. One um, from someone who is on the board, right? Um, <laughs> Lord have mercy. So the, the the checks are properly issued, properly issued. The problem is what happens after the checks are signed off and the verification. So they alter the check, but did they? fail to sign off on the alteration on a careless now how long has this been going on did i say did i say did i say millions that's all we know <laughs> chappy line oh chappy line good morning <laughs> good morning Rosola. we are chopped today <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask the question of I, I know you just said it. Did you see if it, they said how long it's been going? No, on? that it just seems ridiculous <laughs> at this point that all of this is coming out. You know, day back to back, every day, all these new hustlers. It just seems so ridiculous right now. <laughs> so, how long have we been hustling, and and where's the money, and what are we going to do? That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, listen. I don't know if I'm to laugh 
or I'm to cry. I really don't know. But what you're crying for is not your money. Don't cry. You have any money in there? No. Okay, how about I cry then? <laughs> yeah, I cry for <laughs> I would just like to know how long and, you know, why are we just finding all this out? You know, what all of a sudden happened that where we all of a sudden found all the three different institutions now that we're talking about. Three different facilities that, that we found fraud. Millions. Millions. So it has to be, it has to be for over years, right? over a, a period of, of years. So how did we find all this out all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Lord have mercy. I, so right now I'm singing the song in my head. Who is coming next? Punchinella, little fella. Because this is like a, married, a, a ring game at this point. And can you imagine if the, uh, the others who are um, who have been um, doing the same thing, how nervous they are right now? They're coming for you. They're coming for you. They're coming for you. What this means? Because how many... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. solo. No, 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 you go ahead. I was going to say, how many more instances do we have? How many more of these situations are we going to find out in the tomorrow or next week or in the within the month? This is crazy. Millions of dollars. Just... <laughs> Paying off father's doctor's bills. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, all I can say at this point, every institution buckle down. Start doing your own internal audits. Go ahead, Donald. Moments, we're talking about all these institutions. But if the Auditor General decide to audit the last 10 years of the government's <laughs> that was not submitted, we may be surprised. I forgot about that story. You're right. You're right. Ten years of no auditing of government accounts with, uh, which one was at the top? <laughs> Ministry of Finance. So what do you expect everybody else to know? It's a flipping free for all. It is a free for all. Right now, it's as though you have the collection plate passing around and everybody just dip their money in and take out something. Nobody puts in, but everybody has to take out. As I said that, did anyone see the video? I think it was on TikTok. Was it on TikTok or Instagram of the man in the church? And when the man dropped his money in the collection plate, the, ch the, the pastor said, take him out. This not gonna work. This not enough. I don't know. And that's a church in Jamaica. Told the man that that's not enough money. <laughs> Him not put enough in the collection plate. I ask you a question. What the heck is really going on? <sighs> Rosolo. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We need a job as a chopper. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm ready to put in my two weeks. Let me know when you're ready. We're going to chop. We're going to chop the line. <laughs> um, oh, God. This is, this is too much. This is too much. But listen to this one. Lawyer for the XSSL employee is livid. That there's a document in the public domain. And that's your living, Bart, my friend. 
That's what you're upset about, that there is a document in public domain? Story courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. Attorney at law Tamika Harris, who is representing an ex-employee of Stocks and Securities Limited, the investment firm now at the center of a massive fraud investigation, is livid that a document with sensitive information about her client was released to the public. The document in question is purported to be a statement from Harris's client that was given on January 7, 2023, detailing the names of people and how the former SSL employee allegedly, quote-unquote, borrowed funds from the accounts of these individuals. The funds were listed in both Jamaican and U.S. currencies. The document is being circulated um, outlines the means allegedly used to withdraw monies from the accounts of clients and how much was reportedly quote-unquote borrowed without their consent the purported statement didn't however mention retired athlete usain bolt who is one of the individuals suspected to have been fleeced in the massive fraud that is now being probed by the financial investigations division and the Jamaica Constabulary Forces Fraud Squad. Loop News reached out to Harris, who is listed as the attorney for the former employee, to verify the authenticity of the document and for comment. Uh, She told Loop News on Tuesday evening, I will not comment on the document. I will not confirm or deny anything. Harris said the document being circulated has people's personal information that should not be in the public domain as it places individuals safety at risk when asked if she knew how the document got released she said she did not and that she's just upset about it now i can understand why she would be upset because if people who have been affected by the discretionary act the the lack of discretionary actions of um the employee, the ex-employee, well, yes, I can see why I should be upset because remember I said yesterday when we were wondering why nobody else's name was highlighted and I, I remember saying I wouldn't want my name highlighted for security reasons, right? You have to protect yourself. It is definitely a safety risk having people's information out there like that. All right. Oh, boy. But, um, and then... Hold on, I got, let me see if I can pick up the, the sound bite for this one. I, I, I do have it. Yesterday, I tried to watch the um, thing online, but it was really hard. The, I don't know if it was the internet on the part of the press conference that was being held. But uh-uh. what's next for, no, I'm sorry, FSC dodges SSL oversight questions in unfolding fraud saga let me jump to the sound back oops let me turn my volume up and here we go more questions than answers a pensive everton mcfarlane was not forthcoming on whether the fsc failed in its regulatory duties mr campbell be reasonable I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm not asking you to release anything regarding the company's I've, I've indicated. I'm asking I've, you if you, as the yeah. head of your organization, the FSC, believes your entity has been lacking in its oversight. Yeah, but that's... The yeah. old person has admitted, 2010, she started, let's call it what this is, theft at the organization's part, because 2010 continued up till 2019 by her own admission into 2020. 
You have been at the organization in 2016, 2017, 2020, and 2023. And none of this during your audits, checks came to light. So I am asking, under these circumstances, do you believe your organization's oversight has been lacking? I've outlined the parameters of my responses. I'm not asking my responses. Sir. I'm asking you if you believe your organization okay. has been lacking. You, you, okay. Um, All right, you take another question. That response typified much of the media conference. When asked direct questions about what actions were taken by the FSC in ensuring SSL was above board, Mr. McFarlane said he was constrained in what he could say. It was noted in a 2017 report from the FSC that SSL was a problem entity going back five and a half years at the time. Other concerns were raised about the organization since. So much so that on at least one occasion, the FSC threatened to have the company's security license suspended. However, Mr. McFarlane was unwilling to outline what, if any, remedial actions were taken to rectify those breaches. He would only say that issues were addressed as they arose. Again, I, I cannot speak to the specifics, but clearly, if there was a condition required for them to satisfy certain obligations or, the, or we would take steps to suspend the license, um, the license was not suspended. It wasn't sustained. No. But then come 2020, come 2020, the cease and desist was given. Over was time, again. Um, over time, there are, over time, there are, there is no reason to presume that the same issues continued from 2017 into 2020. So just to be clear. We respond, we, 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 we monitor entities on a regular basis. And as issues arise, we address those issues as deemed appropriate. Yes. Mr. McFarlane was flanked by his senior staff, including his acting general counsel, Donia Fuller-Barrett. She was the only other FSC executive answering questions. She was pressed as to why the public was not informed of the concerns the FSC had with SSL over the years. But if we, for example, come to the public with every single thing that we have identified as an issue, we may unwittingly create a situation of panic when, in fact, with um, closer monitoring, which we, in fact, do, the entity can come to a place where it is able to operate quite viably. Um, and we must also bear in mind that solvency is not the only issue um, for the FSC. There are also fit and proper considerations, statements that are being made to us, and so forth. However, despite the concerns Mr. McFarlane strongly believes, the FSC is readily equipped to meet its regulatory responsibilities. My answer to your question is we do have the capacity legislatively. We, we allocate our resources um, in a strategic and, 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 and uh, risk-based way to ensure that we are able to address the most urgent areas of risk and the outcomes are effective. Siobhan Campbell for Nationwide News. Mr. Campbell, be reasonable. I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm not asking you to release anything regarding the companies. I've, I've indicated to the specifics, but clearly, if there was a condition required for them to satisfy certain obligations or, the, or we would take steps to suspend the license, um, the license was not suspended. It wasn't sustained. No. But then come 2020, come 2020. <laughs> I can't get over this part. I'm sorry. Given, over time, again. Um, over time, there are, over time, there are, there is no reason to presume that the same issues continued from 
2017 into 2020. So just to be clear. We respond, we, 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 we monitor entities on a regular basis, and as issues arise, we address those issues as deemed appropriate. Yes. But if we, for example, come to the public with every single thing that we have identified... My answer to your question is we do have the capacity. So, how far back we're going? That the SS, what you call them, the FSC has been pretty much red flagging SSL. So now we need to talk to the owners of SSL. If a governing body does an audit, <clears throat> excuse me, and highlights certain things, make you aware because when they do the audit, they have to present a report. You're presented with this report. You're presented with the report with findings. What have you done? Another audit happens again. You're presented with findings. What have you done? But then the FSC is going to say since 2017, everything seems okay. I hope I heard that correctly. Something doesn't make sense. But hold on before we make our commentary there is a, another article let me um go back to this go to this one <laughs> fsc mom on conflict of interest questions regarding the ssl um i couldn't speak i don't want to speak to the specifics of 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 any particular person but suffice it to say over the years at the fsc persons leave and after a period of time they seek alternative employment employment at the fsc should not be a fetter on your being able to earn a, a proper livelihood based on your skills and experience Silence. Again, I repeat. Again, I repeat. It would be unreasonable for employment at the FSC, for which you are not guaranteed a lifetime appointment, should be a fetter for you not to seek appropriate employment at some point in time after leaving the FSC in accordance with your skills and experience. Um, And that's all I have to, um, to say on that. I mean, it's, it would just be unreasonable. And, you know, just, um, I know the connection you're trying to draw, but I'm not going to address that. So the Financial Services Commission, FSC, was unwilling to answer questions regarding possible conflicts of interest, which may have existed between itself and SSL. It is being alleged that a former FSC senior director became a senior executive at the investment firm. Mr. McFarlane refused to address the issue beyond noting that individuals are free to seek alternative employment, as was just heard. Nationwide News has been unable to ascertain if and when said director departed the FSC and when they joined SSL. However, the regulator's executive director fell deathly silent when asked if this amounts to a conflict of interest. Why would you go silent if the person became a senior executive at SSL after severing ties with FSC? Because I would agree 
that one is free to seek alternative employment. However, there would be a conflict of interest if while they are a senior director at FSC, they become a senior executive at the investment firm. Now, here is something that I, I, I would take into consideration. If I am a senior director at FSC and I'm I am resigning and I don't, you know, I want growth, I want to move on, and I'm seeking employment at um SSL, because of my expertise and knowing what to look for, red flags, so on and so forth, my goal would be to see to it that in my role at SSL, make sure SSL is squeaky clean, especially knowing that there have been red flags in the past. I would be going in there, yes, guns blazing. Okay, folks, now that I'm a part of this team, we're going to see to it that we dot our I's and cross our T's. These ha things have been issues in the past. Let us make sure that there are no longer issues going forward. What steps have you people implemented, put in place to see to it that there is no reoccurrence? Now, let us be very diligent, do internal audits to ensure that we stay on top of things. And I'm done speaking. I know someone else opened their mic. Go right ahead. I'm sure so. Yeah. Okay. Um, Good morning, Marlon. Go right ahead. Just one thing to say. Ain't got to teach the people their money to. <laughs> left one company and she said there's a red flag in this company. And ain't got to help teeth the people. They're all in my teeth. <laughs> so. Sound like you lost some money, Marlon. Did you lose some money? Yes, I did. So, I ain't got to fatigue for people anymore. <gasps> well, uh, go ahead, Donna. <laughs> um, there are revolving doors among these top organizations and regulatory bodies all the time. If you look at it here during the FDA and Big Pharma and stuff like that, there are always revolving doors. However, um, maybe the reason why the official didn't comment on a conflict of interest um, allegation is that if you your terms of employment did not prevent you from leaving your job and going over to a private investment firm in any way and you resigned and followed your process even if you just left your job and went over to the, the firm the next week or the next day as long as you followed your process then there is no conflict of interest as long as you was not sharing information while you was at your job or stuff if you follow protocol you serve your time you resign according to your protocol and as of the day you're no longer an employee you're free to seek employment anywhere and you took up employment with a questionable organization it's irrelevant there is no conflict of interest mm. well that's what i would think too but um <laughs> Excuse me. I saw, I reposted something that one of my cousins put up on her IG page. And I reposted it. Excuse me. So I sent her a message. I said, um, I'm chopping this. <laughs> she said, go on, go on, go chop. No problem. So um, <laughs> in the photo, it says... Right now, the financial institution, bank, 
have to give me two references and a passport size picture of every staff signed by six JP before my open account. So you're being tough on us. You're worried about us, the customer. What do you need to worry about the staff? We're not giving us a hard time for open account. And, and when we come with we deposit, even if I chop we well, chop a line, and we come with we deposit, we don't give a healthy deposit with money. But to the not scrutinizing the people that we don't have working with us. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Oh, boy. Whew. So what's next for SSL and its clients? After the fraud scandal, story courtesy of jamaica.loopnews.com. With a temporary manager now in place at the fraud hit SSL, its regulator says it will not be long before it receives a recommendation on the course of action for the investment firm. The FSC on Tuesday appointed Kenneth Tomlinson as the temporary manager of SSL following the revelations of the massive fraud at the institution. Executive Director of the FSC, Everton McFarlane, described the fraud as a despicable case of dishonesty. McFarlane has indicated that it could be a matter of weeks before the Commission receives a report from the temporary manager. Indeed, the regulator is seeking to move swiftly to take remedial action as the FSC's head suggested that Tomlinson could provide a recommendation much earlier than the 60 days as prescribed by the FSC, the act of the FSC dated 2001. He's not been given a long time. It's not months, it's weeks. We know how urgent it is and how potent it is. Speaking at the briefing, McFarlane pointed out that the case of SSL should not be seen as symptomatic of the wider industry amid widespread shock at the information that the questionable actions on some SSL accounts date back to over a decade. Oh boy. Um, I was watching this video. I couldn't, I can't play it because it lays up with one string of bad word, right? From what's the social media influencer? Um, he's Jamaican, mad white Jamaican. And he highlighted something very you know important how we treat each other how we take care of each other how we protect each other he said when you step back and think about it, Usain Bolt has done a lot for Jamaica. And we're in, yes, he's the one who is at the forefront. It's possibly because he's the one that has been impacted the most. But also it's relevant to his position, his role, and what he has done for the country. Not to diminish what others have done. But just as Bob Marley is a significant figure when it comes to Jamaica, you see Bob Marley, oh, Jamaica, Th that's the correlation. Well, so too, Usain Bolt. He is significant in our relevance on the global scale. He made mention that Usain is one who tries his best to bring revenue into Jamaica. To ensure that people can 
eat a food if there's a project to be done. If videos are to be shot, do it in Jamaica. He has helped send children to school. He has done a lot. And this is how we treat those who do. We sit down and we say, oh, those who have it need to, you know, dip into them pockets a little deeper. But you give and you help, but you're still a lamb to the slaughter. So can you blame someone if they decide, you know, something, that's it? You ask us to believe in our country. People like myself determined to return home. Because I do believe in my country. I do believe there is hope. But lately that has been waning. If it's not smuddy, a target you because you're a returning resident. A smuddy, a target you because they think you have money because foreign you come from. Not knowing your struggles, they don't care. Now you have to be wondering about where to put your money. And I'm going to say yes. Do not be dismayed. Do not be deterred when it comes to investing. Invest in your country. But what this means is you have to dig a little deeper. Do more research. Marlon yesterday asked right here on Coffee and Toe if he didn't do his research. And you know something? How many of us really do research before investing? I mean, really do research. Ask questions. Ask for audit reports. Ask various people. Are we exercising due diligence on our part? No, we're not. Go ahead, Donald. Yeah. I understand the sentiments and the pain and all that, but I think to generalize this, um, to make it as though but Hussein and others have been treated unfairly by the country people, I think, is a, is, is a kind of reach because these are financial institutions that fail. This is one financial institution with with an investment portfolio. I mean, and yes, you could say do more research, but people, Enron was rated AAA by all the rating agency and they was doing good and all the stuff what other research can you have really legitimately done to escape it these things happen these are inherent risk involved in investing it's unfortunate it happens from time to time so i don't think we should take it to make us though jamaican people was ungrateful for what hussein bought has done the vast majority of the country is supportive of him this is one institution that happens to be fraudulent or some fraudulent activity happens and it happens in the financial institutions from time to time it is not unique to jamaica it's not unique to the treatment of both or any of the investors in that institution you understand uh -huh. so we have to be careful with this narrative we have to be careful with should we continue to invest back home of course we should continue to invest back home because when we invest here we have similar risk it's only that when it happens here we don't say do we say do we continue to invest in the u.s market after it was crashed by fraudulent activities 
after people lose millions and millions and millions of dollars? These things happen. If you're going to invest, there's some inherent risk that though remote, it's possible. And this is one of the situations. Yes, people may have dropped the ball, whatever, but it happens all the time. As long as you're going to assume investment, you have to assume some inherent risk. And this is one of it. To me, that's just what it is. Agreed. And that's why I was saying we don't want to be dismayed. Still invest. However, what we need to do is probably think about how we invest. You have to have money. You have to have cash flow somewhere. You do. But let us think about when we talk about diversifying our portfolio. Tangible versus intangible. Fixed assets versus cash flow. We may need to revisit how we invest. And I agree with you. Any investment is a risk any investment but what is going to give me the least amount of risk right what is going to give me the least amount of risk i may not get a quick roi it may take me a couple years to get an roi but i'd rather take that route yeah, but that, slow as but you said, we just have to diversify diversify our portfolio and you may you may want to wait yes for your roi but there are some people depending on where they are in the investment cycle who is looking for it at a sooner rate who is willing to take additional risk to get that return quicker or that bigger return mm -hmm. so it's just a matter of managing your risk diversifying your portfolios and being you know strategic as to how you do and do your due diligence but you could only do so much there would still be an inherent risk mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh boy um we just hope that you know as time passes people will still remain confident in our country that's what we can hope for. And you're right, Donald, it happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. I think the issue when it comes to Jamaica being so small, you know, and when you think that people from overseas do take their money to Jamaica, just like people take their money to the Cayman Islands, um, you don't want this kind of negative attention. Right? We're a small country, and I think we need to be more diligent, pay more attention to our operations. And I'm talking about those within the financial sector. If an audit is done, do what you have to do. And then the governing bodies need to probably be more, be more stringent. Shut people down until they fix certain things. Don't allow them to continue. Put them on suspension. Okay, I have given you a list of these things. Kind of like how they do the restaurants here when they go around with dirty dining. Roach, rat, all kind of things, and them shut you down and tell you to fix these things before you're allowed to reopen. 
people, they probably need to do the same thing as far as the financial institutions are concerned. And that is globally, anywhere. Red flag are shut you down until you fix it. Fix the problem. We come back. We see to it that everything has been addressed. And then you carry on. Truck drivers. Afro, Marlon. When DOT stop you on the road. They will shut you down. If something is wrong. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Can't put out a service. Exactly. I want to get the problem sorted out. Then it can continue. If you're going through the weight station or the inspection station and they feel as though they want to give you a random inspection and they pull you over and they do a DOT inspection with a level one, level two, level three, and certain things are not in order, they will put you out of service and you have no choice but to call a mechanic to come out because they understand that if you don't fix these issues, it could cause a life impacting situation. So too, we have to deal with financial institutions because it will, if, if we don't do this, it is going to cause a life impacting situation. Go ahead, Donald. Yeah. When you have financial institutions that has billions in the economy you have to be very careful how you deal with them in the public because if you show a lack of confidence in let's say one of the major banks and you find there is a run on the bank you have real problems because if that bank go belly up the entire economy is affected so you have to be very careful when you're dealing with this institution that has all this power essentially because mm -hmm. you don't and you don't want the public to lose faith in them unless they have to so you wouldn't see something like that happening until it is extremely detrimental or have to happen you even when banks are failing and the central banks are so coming you know they have to be careful and sometimes they stop people from redrawing funds and stuff for a particular time because if there is a run on the bank it, it is negatively impact so much different sectors of the economy that it could cause problems that you don't want to cause problems so you don't want to shoot a fly right i, I understand that but at, at the, on the flip side of that on the other side of the coin it could also mean that hey we're keeping everybody on their toes the public don't worry, we have your back. We are going to see to it that all these financial institu institutions are towing the line. You could look at it that way because as a way to reinstate confidence, if any has been lost, in the financial sector. I agree with you in a moment. I'm going to get what Daniel said, but I agree with you in a moment because to somebody like me, you know, because uh, I worked for the, um, those people before. Um, so as a security officer, go up to the local Christmas, um, whatever the local Christmas dinner event, and all of them friends, even my former boss, uh, one other company we used to work, they were all there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Politicians, all of them. Um, the, the, the owner for SSL, um, 
her in-laws or I think either her son or her son-in-law and they like keep the party yeah and all of them was there so one of them are friends so just they are listening and I hear all them for them name I get called up and I say yo John no star they the party and see all of these um you know these big top millionaires or billionaires or whatever them, them is they, they a laugh and a drink and whatever they uh, do them look out, you know thing I could even and I hear say oh them name I get caught up in a scandal and all them something there for here you, you say that I say yo them the average man like myself I probably say yo the world them a friend so that's why they don't want to talk them dirty secret cause the world them probably in on it you get what I say so you saying that I agree with you uh, like a thousand percent say yo I fool everybody accountable you know what I mean because the average um, citizen I got obviously say yo the world them a friend same like with the politician them you know, them go at it in a member of parliament and election time and when everything over, they're gonna eat each other yeah, and drink and laugh and I say, watch you eat that, they out there vote for it watch them you see what I said? so, but, but I agree with you 1000% you see, because here's the thing too Jamaica is a fickle we have a fickle set of people today we love you, tomorrow we hate you today we lift you up, tomorrow we drop you and understanding how the majority reasons or fail to reason and rationalize, I think that's the approach they're going to have to take. Because remember, you're dealing with grassroots people and a lot of them hot-headed. A lot, yeah, them, them take them things serious. So I think for them to reinstate that confidence, that might just be the approach. And I, I see what you're saying, Donald, that it can be um, a risk to approach it that way. But because of how Jamaican stadium is very, is an ignorant set of people, you have to meet the ignorance with that kind of, um, <laughs> sorry, solution, you know. Yeah, um, we're gonna take. Go ahead, Moments. Donald. Who yeah. sits? Who sits on the on the board that created the regulation to regulate these financial bodies? And when you find out that, you go see yeah, <laughs> one of the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, yeah, they are they are the one that regulate themselves, you know. Mm -hmm. So it will only go. To, it will only go to a certain extent mm -hmm. because a lot of the time the government don't have the expertise. They bring in the same people to help regulate themselves so yeah i don't know all right <laughs> we don't know all right folks and that story wraps up the news out of the caribbean corner gonna take another quick break and when we return we have news out of latin america and the international scene here is busy Girl, signal way, <laughs> no matter what time of day <laughs> BM, BM. It is hashtag TBT Throwback Thursday Music in Retrospect, and we're doing it in reggae style today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep it locked. Yeah. So, no man, 
the night, yeah. She took the rubber dub under the bedroom light, yeah. She crawl up in her arms like a spider. Body fit in a difficulty where she inside, yeah. Don't me introduce her to me bunny energizer. Loving in abundance, she get a minimizer. She starts in a prayer like the phantom but we're this all nice and decent celebrity crew. Hang on, for this is Ninja and Tinga passing through. Once again, come in, Tinga, to be a confirmed sledge. Cover me, cover me. To everyone listening on the Quality Music Zone, QMZRadio.gov, and everyone listening on JanoRadio.gov.
Again, to everyone listening online, and I have to give a big thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. After all, this is where the conversation happens. Appreciate you. to everyone for tuning in to coffee and toe world news on the go we do this every monday through friday 9 a.m to 1 p.m eastern where i read the news and we share our views remember you can follow me on twitter at me medium me medium moments on instagram moments underscore with underscore me underscore media and on tiktok moments with me media we're gonna get back to business after this one. Just come on. Anyway, you have a 
Out of a Buju and Barris. Thank you, Buji and Barris, for that one. And it's time for us to get back to business. Thank you to everyone listening online. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. All right, going to put a pause on that. And let's get back to it. And it is time for stories out of Latin America and on the international scene. So first up, United Nations, uh, courtesy of aljazeera.com, United Nations expresses concern over Guatemala investigations. The United Nations has issued a statement expressing concern after Guatemala announced it would investigate a former anti-corruption investigator assigned to the country. Ivan Velasquez, a Colombian who led the UN's anti-corruption efforts in Guatemala from 2013 to 2019 is under investigation for illegal, arbitrary and abusive acts. And this is according to prosecutors in Guatemala. But critics have warned the probe is the latest effort from Guatemala's government to backtrack on anti-corruption efforts. UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez expresses his concern at the numerous reports suggesting that criminal prosecution is being exercised against those who sought to shed light on cases of corruption and worked to strengthen the justice system in Guatemala. The UN also underscored that justice operators and officials from its former anti-corruption campaign continue to enjoy privileges and immunities even after their positions have come to a close. The campaign started in 2006 when the UN and Guatemala agreed to launch the International Commission Against Impunity in Guatemala. The aim of the commission was to root out criminal groups believed to have infiltrated state institutions in the wake of Guatemala's decades-long civil war. Our next story out of Latin America, Venezuela's teachers march for better pay amid soaring inflation. Story also courtesy of aljazeera.com. Teachers, retirees, and workers' unions have marched in at least six Venezuelan cities to demand better salaries as the government of President Nicolas Maduro faces renewed 
oh boy i'm so sorry something just popped up on my phone alec baldwin uh to be charged with manslaughter in shooting remember that incident that happened on set last year was it last year or was it the year before it was last year right we'll talk about that in a little bit i'm so sorry but it just popped up in my face um yeah where was i sorry so teachers retirees and workers unions have marched in at least six venezuelan cities to demand better salaries as the government of president nicolas maduro faces renewed challenges in its attempt to fight inflation venezuela's inflation is estimated to have reached 305 percent last year and that's according to a non-governmental group of economists who calculate indicators in the absence of official data the government has not adjusted the salaries of public sector employees since march last year part of efforts to reduce spending and increase taxes which allowed venezuela to emerge from hyperinflation but in the second half of last year demand for foreign currency outstripped the weekly supply of dollars made available by the central bank and the venezuelan bolivar depreciated further the minimum monthly salary for a public school teacher is about ten dollars while university professors can earn between sixty dollars and eighty dollars that that is three hundred and five percent inflation yeah yeah you can't be increasing taxes in an effort to reduce spending and forget or neglect the public sector there's a huge imbalance in the scales it's just not going to work we head on to the international scene for our next set of stories first up courtesy of barbados.loopnews.com new zealand's prime minister resigns and sets october election date New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, whose empathetic handling of the nation's worst mass shooting and health-driven response to the coronavirus pandemic led her to become an international icon, but who faced mounting criticism at home, said on Thursday she is leaving the office. Fighting back tears, she told reporters in Napier that February 7 will be her last day as Prime Minister. She said she's entering her sixth year in office, and for each of those years, she has given her absolute all. She also announced that New Zealand's next general elections would be held on October 14, and that she would remain a lawmaker until then. It is unclear who will take over as Prime Minister on to until the election deputy prime minister grant robertson announced he would not be contesting for the leadership of the labor party throwing the competition open ardern described her job as among the most privileged but challenging and said doing it required having a reserve to face the unexpected she said she no longer had that reserve to serve another term she said her time in office has been fulfilling but challenging she said i'm not leaving because it was hard had that been the case i probably would have departed two months into the job i am leaving because with such a privileged role comes responsibility the responsibility to know when you are the right person to lead and also when you are not i know what this job takes and i know that i no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice it is that simple she had been facing tough election prospects 
her Liberal Labour Party won re-election two years ago in a landslide of historic proportions, but recent polls have put her party behind its Conservative rivals. She was lauded globally for her country's initial handling of the coronavirus pandemic after New Zealand managed for months to stop the virus at its borders. But the zero-tolerance strategy was abandoned once it was challenged by new variants and the vaccines became available. She faced tougher criticism at home that the strategy was too strict. In December, she announced a Royal Commission of Inquiry that would look into whether the government made the right decisions in battling COVID-19 and how it can better prepare for future pandemics. That report is due next year. In March 2019, she faced one of the darkest days in New Zealand's history when a white supremacist gunman stormed two mosques in Christchurch and slaughtered 51 people. She was widely praised for the way she embraced the survivors and New Zealand's Muslim community in the aftermath. That story, courtesy of the Associated Press via Barbados.LookNews.com. I didn't know there was a Christchurch in New Zealand. I know there's one in Barbados. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember she was highly praised for her stance, her approach in being able to keep New Zealand safe. Yeah. But at the same time, I have to applaud her. I'm not sure what the underlying <laughs> reasons are because, you know, everything is like an onion. There are layers to everything. Not sure what the underlying issues are, um, but I applaud her for knowing when to step aside. Some people don't know how to do that. We cling on for dear life to the very end. Even if it's sucking the breath out of us, we will not give up. We don't know when to back down. So she understands the role comes with privilege. It is a privileged role. But she also understands the huge responsibility. Knowing when to lead and when you can no longer do so, when you're no longer a good fit. Because we are evolving, and this is where a lot of politicians need to come to terms, is with the reality that things evolve. The generations that you were able to lead you won't be able to, we will not be able to lead the upcoming generations the same way because they're a different breed. They have a different outlook, a different mindset, different needs, different desires. Their, their focus is different. So if you're not able to um, relate to them, it makes your position challenging. And I'm not saying that's the situation in her case, but I'm just speaking in general. So lesson, and it, 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 something we can apply to anything in life, anything we're doing, know when it's time to put down the reins. All right. Uh, next on the international scene, the world's oldest person, French nun, Sister Andre, dies at 118 years old. Story courtesy of Bala Alert. French nun Sister André died at 118 on Tuesday in Southern Toulon. The city's mayor, Hubert Falco, took to Twitter to announce the devastating news. Why are we calling it devastating? She lived till 118. 
devastating to me would be someone young or dying tragically. Am I, am I missing something? And you can tell me if I'm being insensitive. You can tell me. Do they want her to live forever? I, I don't know. I would, I would have said took to Twitter to announce the news or the sad news or the news of her passing, but not devastating. Mm, then again, please don't come for me, France. The tweet translates, it's, it is with immense sad... Okay, all right, computer. We're not doing this today, computer. They don't want me to read this. Is that retribution? Is that karma? The screen went black on me. That must have been karma. Who working them guzzle on me? Take it off. Oh, gosh. So be careful who you go after. Lesson learned. All right. We have the story back. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So it is with immense sadness and emotion that I learned of the passing of the world's oldest person. Sister Andre dedicated most of her life to religious services. The nun's spokesperson, David Tavella, said there is great sadness, but she wanted it to happen. It was her desire to join her beloved brother. For her, it is freedom. She died on Tuesday at 2 a.m. Born Lucille Randon on February 11, 1904 in Alès, southern France, Sister André has seen two world wars and survived COVID-19 in January 2021. Gerontology Research Group validates details of people 110 or older, and Sister André was listed as the oldest. Now, Maria Branias Borrera is the oldest person at 115. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, let me behave myself, but I don't see it as devastating. I would see it as um, she, she lived to that age. The way the world is going, not many people can say if you make it to 70, glory be to God. You make it to 80, whew, yeah. We just give thanks for each day that we get, day by day. All right. Uh, next up. So sorry. We're back in the States now. On the, we're, no, we're done with international news. It's time for stories out of North America, I should say. Police report reveals the driver was speeding in the SUV crash that killed the University of Georgia football player and the staff. A story courtesy of Ball Alert. A police report details a fatal SUV crash carrying four members of the University of Georgia football team, two of whom were killed in the accident. The report says the driver was exceeding the limit of 40 miles per hour when the SUV hit the curb and then went off the roadway. The crash report was released on Tuesday from the athens Clark Police Department. University of Georgia football player Devin Willock and football recruiting analyst Chandler LaCroix both died in the car crash. The police report revealed that the Ford Expedition was driven by LaCroix, who was speeding and failed to negotiate a left curve, resulting in the vehicle striking a curb with its front tire with its front passenger tire and leaving the roadway, then striking a Georgia power pole 
and another utility pole, cutting them in half. After hitting two poles, the SUV struck a tree with its rear passenger quarter panel and caused it to begin rotating clockwise, where it struck another tree with its driver's side. Willock, 20, was seated behind Chandler LaCroix, 24, on the driver's side and was ejected from the vehicle when it landed against the corner of an apartment building, according to the crash. So he was going in excess of 40 miles per hour. How fast exactly was he going? Which leads me to ask this question. I've noticed that in the past, I haven't heard it recently, they will tell you that somebody was going 80 miles per hour at the point of impact. Is it that when you meet in an accident the and you're brought to an abrupt stop, the speedometer sticks at 80? How are they able to determine how fast you're going? That's my question. They've, they've got a box. It's, it's kind of like a black box. Um, it's in the engine compartment. So um, especially if, it, if it's a new car, if it's like a newish card, um, they do have that black box. So they take it out and they can download it and they can see all the events, the stop and starts and how long he was driving, how far she was driving. Oh, okay. Thank you. So it's like a plane. All right. Yeah, something like that. Thank yeah. you so much. Go ahead, Marlon. Thank you, Teflon. No, he's right. But it's a computer. Record everything you do in your car. So... They just have to plug it up to another computer and it tells you everything what you have doing or what you've been doing. Wow. So, especially especially with the um the the very new ones. You know, like with the Teslas and all those electric cars, those ones are even a lot more advanced. So they they literally everything is literally live, like your speed, everything. But with the old school ones, it's it's literally in the engine compartment somewhere. It's like a hidden box that they normally take out if they if they have to do like an investigation um yeah hmm. okay i learned something today thank you gentlemen appreciate you so i'm waiting to hear how fast he was actually going it's so sad though but can you imagine all these different things that you're hitting two poles cutting them in half then a tree then you spin ejected landing at the side of the corner of an apartment building that's did, go ahead go ahead marlon did it happen in 316 they say uh yeah. let me go back up i'm not sure where exactly in if other if previous reports um that's an open road there so you must go in pretty fast they don't, they don't have many traffic lights on that road if i can remember yeah. so yeah 316 goes up to Athens. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. So that sounds so traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be it must be going over a hundred. And you know what expeditions you can go over a hundred and you don't even realize it too, but um yeah, it must be over one hundred. Wow. Wow. Woo! Um, well, it is unknown if alcohol and drugs were, um, were administered. So they're still waiting for toxicology results from the coroner, the Athens Clark coroner. 
Wow. And of course, the, the crash happened hours after the team celebrated its second national championship uh, victory early Sunday. Marlon, you remember that club we went to? That club we went to it was packed with, there was a game, a football game between UGA and I think an out-of-state college. It was packed with college students. They were celebrating after their win. Yeah. So They do celebrate, so. They do. Yeah, it's sad though. I'm sorry, you know, it's family and yeah, that's sad. It is sad. Yeah. All right, so our next story out of North America, also courtesy of BallAlert.com, uh, a man who allegedly attempted to kidnap a barista through a drive-through window has reportedly been arrested by police in Washington State. To identify the suspect, the Auburn Police Department released surveillance footage of the incident, which occurred shortly after 5 a.m. local time on Monday. The suspect seen in the video attempted to drag the victim through the window using a looped zip-tie device. The victim was able to fight off the attacker. According to the surveillance footage, the barista is seen giving the driver cash through the drive through window as he attempts to grab her wrist with one hand while holding a zip tie in the other. The video then shows the suspect driving off as the barista manages to break free. Police say that the suspect has a unique tattoo on his forearm that appears to say Chevrolet. After overwhelming support from the community, the department announced on Tuesday that the suspect had been arrested. According to Colby Crossley, a spokesperson for the Auburn Police Department, the suspect was arrested on Tuesday at his home in Auburn on kidnapping charges after the police received numerous leads. Multiple, multiple people called in saying they knew the person and were able to give a name. It's unclear whether the suspect and the victim were acquainted, and that is a part of the investigation. According to Crossley, police plan to release the suspect's name at his first court appearance, which is scheduled for Wednesday morning. Wow. Thankfully, that was an unsuccessful kidnapping. You can't be too careful. Can't be too careful. No, me working as... If I were to work at a drive-thru, I'm keeping a knife right beside me because somebody getting stabbed. Sorry. 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 Our next story takes us to California, courtesy of the Associated Press. Biden to tour California storm damage to see recovery efforts. President Joe Biden is set to tour damage and be briefed on recovery efforts after devastating storms hit California in recent weeks, killing at least 20 people and causing destruction across 41 of the state's 58 counties. The president, accompanied by FEMA Administrator Diane Criswell, Governor Gavin Newsom, and other state and local officials will visit on Thursday today the storm-damaged Capitola Pier in Santa Cruz County, where he will meet with business owners and affected residents. Biden will also meet with first responders and deliver remarks on supporting the state's recovery at nearby Seacliff State Park. Over 500 FEMA and other federal personnel have already been deployed to California to support response and recovery operations and are also working side by side with the state to ensure all needs are indeed met on the ground. And this is according to White House Press Secretary 
Corinne Jean-Pierre. Our next story, a new program, Let's Private Citizens Sponsor Refugees in the U.S., story courtesy of NPR.org. Everyday Americans will be able to help refugees adjust to life in the U.S. in a program being launched by the State Department as a way to give private citizens a role in resettling the thousands of refugees who arrive every year. The State Department plans to announce the program dubbed the Welcome Corps. On Thursday, the agency aims to line up 10,000 Americans who can help 5,000 refugees during the first year of the program. By tapping into the goodwill of American communities, the Welcome Corps will expand our country's capacity to provide a warm welcome to higher numbers of refugees, according to the announcement. The State Department has traditionally worked with nonprofit groups that specialize in refugee issues to help people from around the world when they first arrive in the country and face a dramatically different way of life. Under the program being announced today, five or more Americans would be able to form a group and fill this role as well. They would apply to privately sponsor refugees to resettle in America and would be responsible for raising their own money to help the refugees during their first 90 days in the country. Assistance would be given and would include everything from finding a place to live to getting children enrolled in school. A consortium of nonprofits with expertise in refugee resettlement will help oversee the vetting and certification of people and groups who want to be private sponsors. They'll also offer training so private sponsors understand what's needed to help refugees adjusting to life in America. The consortium will be responsible for monitoring the program. I'm glad they mentioned that part, vetting and certification, because we would not want any groups being formed to take advantage of refugees. They end up being trafficked in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if memory serves me well, Marlon, you probably can best um, guide me or correct me if I'm wrong. I think in South Florida, the Cubans have something like this, where when Cuban refugees get here, oh, they take care of them. They set them up. Am I right, Marlon, or am I wrong? No, you're right. They take care of them. Um, once they get here, there's a program for them. It's already in place, so they are taken care of. Yeah. Yeah, they don't have the struggles. And I remember, I think we learned about this when we were moving to Atlanta. Um, interesting things you learn, huh? That also with the, is it the Indians? Um, Southeast Asians, let me say that. Because if you notice, many of them own gas stations and Dunkin' Donuts. We learned, and I want to say it was back in 2006, that when they get here, especially the Southeast Asians, they get, was it $50,000 they are awarded or $60,000 to help them to start a business. And what they do is they pool their funds together. And that's why they have all these Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I'm not sure if they still have that program, but years ago it was like that. And most likely still do. Um, when you 
I've learned this too. When you come in this country, there's a program for everybody <laughs> to get from the system so you can start something. Everybody. Mm-hmm. But we know about it. You know, so um they uh as you said, Asians or wherever they everybody else talk to each other and they put their money together and they you know open up these business. That's why you see down here in Miami too, they own everything in Miami because that that's what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, and in, you know, so it's there, but you have a period of time to to um, apply for it when when you get here. Yep. You know, they give you a certain amount of months or something to apply, and if you don't do it, you don't you can't get it again. Yeah. Did anybody in here know about that? None of us. We learned about it, and it was in conversation. We were speaking with a Cuban who lives in Atlanta, as a matter of fact. And we were like, what the heck? And then we heard it again. But nobody in the black communities, if, and if, black, if the folks in the black community, in the Caribbean community know about it, they probably haven't told us. I don't know if folks um, coming over from Africa know about it, but we, I don't know if people in the Caribbean know about it, but just don't share the information like we always do. We keep things to ourselves. I don't know. But I know I have mentioned it to people. I'm like, hey, you know, so-and-so-and-so, check it out. I think it's $50,000 that each person gets. Go ahead, Afo. Afo, where are you? Calling Afolabi once. Calling Afolabi twice. <laughs> Afo, you're, you're, we're not hearing you. Not hearing you. Okay. Yeah. In the chat, Donald. Donald is like, you lie. <laughs> You're breaking up really bad. Breaking up really bad. Afa, you're in a bad spot. Bad, bad spot. So I take it, Donald, that you were... Afo, you're going to have to... Afo, you're in a bad... Yeah. Sorry, you're in a really bad spot. But Donald, I take it you didn't know about this. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Never heard of it. <sighs> There's a lot of information out there that we are not privy to. We didn't know. Everybody. Can you you know how much money has gone missing then? <laughs> a lot of money because you know if you don't know, you don't do. Exactly. But it talks to you. So that's why um it's I don't know what to say, but uh, other other um nationalities they speak to each other and they help each other. You know, so that's something we need to try to do. If you know something or you hear about something, share it, share it, you know, see how we can help each other because a lot of us getting ahead except us because we're not sharing the knowledge, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Hey, can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear you better. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say, Reza Islam and others like themselves. I'm talking about these programs that are given to immigrants uh, when they come here. Um, during the whole civil rights movement, those were some of the some of the, the things um, that was being asked of the government. You know, I mean, especially during the time when they didn't want like immigrants, whether the Chinese from Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass 
when we used to uh, rally for the you know for the Ch Chinese immigrants to come over and stuff like that. Um, going forward, uh, after during that time period and during the civil rights movement, um, they they were asking for black immigrants as well. Well, like when them come over, you know, for them get the help and stuff like that and be placed in certain neighbor um, neighborhoods where they won't have to worry about. So. I, you know, I just I'll leave it at that because <laughs> yeah because whenever I'm trying to say certain stuff you know yeah some person really like it so even though all the mafia does just do look it up and see but yeah so we just leave it at that yeah so um we need to do better we need to do better within our communities within our nationalities we need to be more clandestine in a positive way to look out for each other because we, we, we t what happened is that we sit back and we're wondering how comes this um, group of people they're able to advance and how comes that group is able to advance? What happened to Jamaicans? Why can't Jamaicans advance? Or why is it so tough for Jamaicans when we get here? Why can't the Haitians advance? Why is it so tough for them? But the truth is, and I, I, I'm going to have to call a spade a spade. We are selfish with information. We will get the information, but we're selfish. We don't want to pass it on. Not realizing that's how we strengthen our groups. Because if everybody is eligible to get $50,000, let us say, for example, is how many of us in here right now? Uh, 12 of us. Imagine 12 of us coming over as a family. Somebody multiply 12 by 50,000 for me. 12 fives. How much is that? $600,000? Am I right? Javette, you're the, you're, you're the, you're the accountant. <laughs> Teflon. <laughs> Imagine 12 of us in one family, each of us were awarded $50,000. Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Tell me my math's right. 600,000? Wait, what am I multiplying again? 50,000 <laughs> by 12. Okay, I did 60,000. Okay, so yeah, your math is right. 600,000. Thank you, Javette. So now we get that $600,000 as a family. Do you know what we could do with $600,000? We, we said, you know something, let us get a home to live in. We're going to get a house. We probably won't buy. We probably rent a house, but that, that's how we rent a three bedroom, three bathroom house, something that has a basement or enough space. And we say, you know something, we're going to use the rest. Let's get a house that's valued at... Worst case, 300000 We're not going to run into, you know, some luxury neighborhood. We're going to stay, you know, under the radar. Purchase a house for 300000 Hopefully, we can get it cash. If it's a fixer upper, we do that. Take the other 300000 and start a business. And then use that business to help each of us to be able to branch out. That's what the other communities do. Because 
Go ahead, Marlon. Go right ahead. Even though you don't, you might not have enough from there to start a business. There's grants yep. you can apply for free money where you can help to build on that. You know, there's a certain time of year you can apply for it, and you know you got to put your stuff, your business plans together and stuff. But there's a way to get the money too. But you know nobody speak about it either. But there's a certain time of year you can do it. I don't know when it is, but I hear it's a certain time of year you can do it. Let me ask a question, and I, I'm glad you brought that up, Marlon. Because here's something I've noticed, and I don't care about any other community right now. I'm speaking to our community and what I have observed. And when I say our community, I'm talking about all of us that have come here as immigrants. Goddess of where we're from in the world. But I've noticed something, that for us to get information for example about grants our own people charging us out charging us out the yin yang why are we doing that to each other is that how we're good and i'm not saying that you shouldn't charge but why the exorbitant fee to do a grant And some of us know how to get it. Some but of are there standard fees for grants? Like hold on, hold on one second. One second, Donna. Let Marlon finish. One second. Finish up, Marlon. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Some of us know how to get it, um, but they just don't want to help because, you know, you have to put the letter together properly. Um, your business plan, you know, can, it's not all of us can do that. And there's people out there who can help you. You know, to put it together right, you know, get your stuff, do it the right way. But they're trying to charge you so much money and you didn't even get the, you didn't even get the money yet. And they're trying to charge you, you know, because some I don't know. Go ahead, Donald. Sorry, Marlon. I was of the opinion, understanding that you get a percentage for the grant writing fee or for the grant when it's successful. So I wasn't sure that they charge a lot of money outside of the stipulated fee. But, um, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a way we could use to help one another. Yeah. And um, I agree with you, Donald. Let us start the community here. It starts in small spaces. It doesn't have to be on large platforms. Because, remember, we have to think like an octopus. You have the main head and then you have tentacles. And each of us has eight tentacles, each one of us. Let's think of ourselves like that. So I can reach eight people. Donald can reach eight people. Rosolo can reach eight. Sula can reach eight. Here's the thing. You can bring a horse to the water. You can't force them to drink. But at least I have shown you where the water is. I have taken you by the leash, by the hand, and I've guided you to the to the trough. Now it's up to you to take it from there. I'm giving you the tools. I'm showing you the opportunities that exist so that we can change the narrative, so that we can let go of certain conversations. Conversations about waiting for people to reimburse us. Right? So we have to think differently. It may take some elbow grease. Those of us 
those of us, Chile says the game is to be sold, not to be told. <laughs> those of us who have the knowledge to and know the know-how, where to go to, to how to put these grants together, because the grant thing is a lot you have to sift through, but people have mastered it. Okay, we're going to see how we can get a $20,000 grant. These are the steps you need to take. You got to put your ducks in a row. Have you formed your LLC? Do you have a business structure? Can you show income versus expenditure? Let us put these things in order so that we can now take the next step, grant application whether it's at the state level, city level, state level, federal level, private grants, public, whatever is available to us. Let us um, do that. Get our house in order so that when Donald comes and says, hey guys, I know how to get grants to open a coffee shop. Who in here is desirous of opening a coffee shop? And I can say, me, 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 me. I've always wanted a coffee shop. I don't want to, you know, I don't want a brick and mortar. I want to get a, a truck first. I want to, you know, keep my overheads low. Keep my overhead low while I test the waters. All right, this is what you need to do. Teflon, go and get expertise in how to find grants to open up spas. And he comes back and he says, okay, folks, I've got this. I've been able to get a couple grants for folks to open up spas. And this is what we need to do. And Tasha says, yes, I want to get the spa going. Okay, Tasha, what have you done so far to get yourself started? Oh, I make body butters. I make body oils. I have been selling them. This is what my sales has been steadily increasing in, in revenue. And you know, this is my expense and all right, come, let's take it to the next level. Javette is a great accountant. She wants to open an academy to teach others the ins and outs of accounting. She wants to offer certification programs because everybody doesn't have to have a degree, but it's, you can have certification. And she says, okay, I want to open up something. And this is what my expense is going to be for rent, for me to rent a space. And this is the potential revenue from people who are going to sign up. And this is what I've done to market it so far. And I have done it privately one-on-one -on -one with so many people. You see what I'm saying? We got to be prepared to do some groundwork. But we can do it. We have to be open to share information. That part. Don't be afraid if somebody does better than you. That part. Thank Maybe you can learn from, you know, something that they're doing you never even thought of. You, that, you don't have yep. to be jealous about it. Thank you. Say that again. You don't have to be jealous about it. Right, Javette? Thank you. Chili, you're next. Chili, fix your sound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on now. Come on. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead now. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, yeah, the same thing here. Yeah, and, and 
was wondering the same thing. Not in a jealous way, but like, how did these communities come here and just establish themselves so quickly? But like, those of us in the black and the Chile, Hold on a second, Chili. Hold on. Are you at the airport? You sound as though you're under the belly of a, under a plane on the tarmac or something. I, I think you're saying that you're second. You're seconding what Javet said. Okay, try and speak again if there if your no noise in the background has subsided a little. If you're able to. Okay, he I think he put it in. Oh, you're downtown. Wow. Downtown. <laughs> okay. Prezi said research is good as well. You know, Prezi, you know what a part of our problem is? And this is how they get us. We don't read. We don't like to read. I don't like to read. And I'm going to be honest. I don't like to read. But I will listen. You know, go ahead, Teflon. Go ahead. If you're on high sound from a black person, you put in the book. Facts. Go ahead, Chili. Oh, sorry. Prezi, go ahead. Sorry, Prezi. I thought it was Chili. Prezi, go ahead. Go ahead. Is it, yeah, is right. it okay? No, man, you can hear me? Yeah, yeah man. man. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, more and more, everybody. No, I'm saying, you know, in terms of, you know, one of the issues that I realized, um, and not to go against what, you know, we're already discussing in terms of in a farm in a community, I think that is very key. Um, but one of the key things I believe also, you know, people have to really take initiative. Um, and find out about, you know, what's available to them or what is out there. Because, you know, while, you know, we, we will strive to form a community and have that community try to teach us, you know, what's already there, we have to also take the self-initiative to decide that, all right, I'm going to find out what, what I need as a business, you know, find out exactly how is it that you can, you know, this, um, you know, make sales, try right, to drive the revenue, how to, you know, what are some of the key fundamentals that, you know, I would need to develop as a business, you know, really forming a business. Um, because, you know, these things are, are out there, you know, it really just takes the time for you to sit and, you know, just do your research, you know, whether it is your, your Google or, you know, your YouTube, whatever it is, that, that, that the resources are just are out there and, you know, it's just for us to decide that, all right, you know, the discipline to say, all right, you know, I'm going to take the time and research some of these things. You know, one of the things with, you know, with, 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 the, with the business that, you know, I have, you know, the photography business, the fact that, you know, majority of it, you know, is where I literally just, just decided I'm going to start and research, I sat and research most of or some of what, you know, I need to know, right? And, you know, just diligently just continue to, you know, just, just do that. You know, it, it, for me, it never stops, right? I mean, because sometimes, you know, you may have resources that people, you know, decide that they will share with you or whatnot, but there's still more that, you know, you would still need to know. So, you know, rather than saying, you know, you're being fully dependent on, you know, whatever resource or whatnot, you, you can take the self-initiative to say, all right, you know, I'm just going to figure out what is it that, you know, I, I would need to, you know, to how I can essentially develop, um, you know, the business that I have. So, um, so yeah, so that's essentially what, you know, I wanted to, to touch on. Thank you for sharing, Prezi. Appreciate that. We have to be willing to do some of the work. 
We have to. Do as much as you are capable of doing. Know your um, strengths. Know your weaknesses. Partner up with someone to help you with your weaknesses. Don't be afraid. And I think a lot of us are afraid of asking for help. And when we are asked for help, can we not make the other person who is seeking help feel some type of way, open at them feelings because of something you have said or how you have said it? Let us be sensitive. Let us be sensitive. So we can do our part of the work. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Do not be afraid to ask questions. And also we have to be receptive of criticism that is constructive. If, if, if somebody says to you, um, you need to do X, Y, Z, and you need to do it this way, Go and do X, Y, Z. Do it the way they have instructed. Now, you may have not got it perfect, but when you take it back to them for them to review, and they say, no, 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 no. You have to redo this. But I catch no attitude. I say, I can't bother. Well, if you, you want them to care more than you, I can only care about a situation as much as you care especially if it impacts you. Some of us want to be spoon-fed. It doesn't work like that. You're not going to get anywhere because what are you doing? Where, where, where's your sweat? Where's your blood? Where are your tears? You have to put it in too. Because them have a saying, easy come, easy go. You will value it. More when you have a hand and a say in, in it. But back to what um, Donald said. We can start. We can start a community of information sharing. And I want to believe that we do share information as it comes up. Sometimes it's a news article and it triggers a reminder or an experience about something. I say, hey, you know what? As in now we're talking about this. It flashback. We cannot be afraid to share information, as Javette pointed out. And then <laughs> Chile said, we need stronger community communication. Facts. And with that communication if you are posed with a question and you truly don't have the answer don't be afraid to say i don't have the answer but i will guess what i'll find out or you know something ask so and so because i think they may be a better person to guide you that's another thing we, th we like to pretend to know it all and we don't we don't all right, so I appreciate this article. I do. It took us down a, it's not a rabbit hole, folks. It took us just in another direction, related direction. All right. Our next story out of North America. Javette, thank you for sending this one over. 
uh who is george was someone going to say something before i move on did i or is it my imagination okay uh who is george santos and why is he in trouble story courtesy of bbc.com fraudulent claims of college degrees a non-existent real estate portfolio and confusion over whether he's jewish or merely jewish are just some of the controversies new york republican congressman elect george santos is facing <laughs> before winning his race in the november midterm election the 34 year old billed himself as the full embodiment of the american dream an openly gay child of Brazilian immigrants who rose to the upper echelons of Wall Street before entering the world of politics. His victory lap, however, has been short-lived. Mr. Santos's narrative of his life has fallen into tatters, with the embattled soon-to-be representative admitting that large portions of it were entirely made up. He now faces calls to resign amid federal and local investigations, and as new allegations of lies emerge on a nearly daily basis as he's due to begin his duties at Capitol Hill, well, here's what we know so far. So who is George Santos? According to a biography published online by his campaign, which was since rewritten, Mr. Santos is a first-generation American born in the New York City borough of Queens. His grandparents, the website noted, fled Jewish persecution in Ukraine, settled in Belgium, and again fled persecution during World War II before settling in Brazil. His Brazilian-born parents eventually immigrated to the U.S. in search of the American dream. Mr. Santos also claimed to have been educated at Baruch, is it Baruch or Baruch College in New York City? Baruch. Baruch, thank you. Thank you so much. At Baruch College in New York City before becoming a seasoned Wall Street financier and investor with experience working at prestigious firms including Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Additionally, Mr. Santos also claimed that he owned 13 properties, which he'd worked hard for, and that his mother was in her office in the South Tower of the World Trade Center on September 11th. As recently as October, his campaign's website claimed that she survived the attack only to die several years later. A relative newcomer to U.S. politics, Mr. Santos was lauded as the first openly gay Republican to win a seat in the House of Representatives as a non-incumbent with his victory this November. So, what did Santos allegedly lie about? On December 19, the New York Times published a story calling into question large portions of his curriculum vitae, CV, including his education and his work experience. Other news outlets have since found no evidence that his grandparents fled anti-Semitism in Europe or that he is Jewish, despite earlier boasts of being a proud American Jew. Since the initial reports, Mr. Santos has admitted that he embellished his background. He never graduated from any university or worked for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup. Rather than owning properties across New York, he lives with his sister in Long Island. It was also revealed his mother died in 2016. He also acknowledged that he misrepresented his faith, telling the New York Post that he's Catholic and that he said he was Jew-ish 
after learning that his maternal family had a Jewish background. My sins here are embellishing my resume, Mr. Santos told the Post, and I'm sorry. <laughs> the allegations against him, however, continue to grow. In the latest twist, authorities in Brazil have confirmed that they plan to revive fraud charges against Mr. Santos related to a 2008 stolen checkbook. According to court records, Mr. Santos spent about $700 using a false name and stolen checks in one of the cities near to Rio de Janeiro. The case had been suspended because Brazilian authorities were unable to locate him. partner CBS, the Brazilian prosecutor charged with the case, said that Mr. Santos's swearing in as a congressman means that he has a certain address where he can be summoned and that the case can be continued. Separately, on December 29, the New York Times reported that Mr. Santos's campaign paid $11,000 to a cleaning company for apartment rental for staff. In addition to a slew of disbursements pegged at $199.99, exactly one cent below the threshold in which receipts are required by federal law. The campaign expenditures also include $40,000 for air travel, a figure the newspaper noted resembles the campaign filings of party leaders in Congress, as opposed to a newly elected congressman who is still introducing himself to local voters. While it is unclear if any laws were broken, federal and local officials have vowed to look into his finances. The Nassau County District Attorney, for example, said it is examining numerous fabrications and inconsistencies with his campaign. District Attorney Ann Donnelly said no one is above the law. And if a crime was committed in this county, we will prosecute it. So will he take office? Will he take office? Well, he take office. He is. <laughs> why are you breaking up? Appointed him. Javet, you're breaking up. To review. Up. Okay, say Demo that. Start over. Start over. Start over. Start over. Start over, Javet. You're breaking up. While Javet fixes her antenna. This sounds about Republican, isn't this? Now. <laughs> is it me or is it Javette? Oh, Javette, I need to hear what you have to say. But it sounds about Republican to me because look at what happened recently with the politi with the um elections in Georgia. What's his name? That idiot that was going up against um, oh Lord, the ex football player. What's his name? Can y'all hear me? Yes, go ahead now, Javette. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous story ever. And why I say it, he is in his seat right now. 
and they just appointed him to two of those committees that will research supposedly bad things that the Democratic Party <laughs> has. While you're sitting in your seat with an entire resume of lies on the news today, they had one of his old, um, what do you call it? The person that you live with roommates and the roommate said, that's not even his name. His real name is not even Santos. This was on and y'all know I don't watch news, but I had to watch this story. It was on the news with Gail King and, and the other two people. I forget. I don't know what channel that is. He's yeah. sitting. He is in his seat. <laughs> and appointed two committees. Oh, it's ridiculous. <sighs> totally ridiculous. Um, okay, I'm done. Oh, sorry. Uh, wasn't he the same guy who, uh, what, what, um, when he was being sworn in, he threw the white power sign? Um, why it was being sworn in? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't watch this video. Uh, I, I think I saw the news and things. So, <laughs> we'll stop drive. Uh, we'll Research stop. it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually a video calling. So, we'll stop drive. Just find out the video. And then we'll share it to you. Uh, let me tell you something. America nice. It's festival over here. So. <laughs> I swear. Oh, Geely says yes, so it was ridiculous. <laughs> it made no sense at all. I don't, I don't, I don't even get it. It makes. <laughs> Jim, Ooh, where do you Lord. people? Where do y'all find these people? <laughs> but Geely says yes, it was him. I guess in in, in agree with what. Was said so. Her, oh, Jimmy also said Herschel Walker. Thank you for reminding me about the name Herschel Walker. To be honest, probably don't even know his own name. <laughs> where do these? Where do these people? And you know what is um sad about that is that these people seem to take up residence on the Republican side of the aisle, and it's okay. It is, it, it's perfectly fine. It says, and I've said it before, I believe they have a checklist of qualified pigs. And as long as, you, <laughs> go ahead, Javette. You, you know what one Republican um, member said? Well, um, the people voted him in. <laughs> but you voted him in because of the lies that he told. Because they was asking, you know, what are they basically going to do about this guy? Well, the people voted him in. So the votes can't be over. The, the um, decision can't be overturned. They can't impeach no, him. It, something. What? What? For now, everything is kind of like up in the air. You know, they have to. They have to um, make a committee to review the committee to review the committee. You know, all that. <laughs> all that other stuff. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I'm done. I'm done. That's, I just had to point that out. How ridiculous our political system has been in the past how many years now? Forever. Okay. 
Thank you so much for this one, Jimmy. I got a good laugh today. Remember our past or past president was a Democrat at one time. And he said he's going to go to Republican because he had dumb as heck. Yes, he did. He did. He did. Yes, he did. Marlon, you're right. Republican. <laughs> so. That interview, I think, was back in the 80s, no? When I don't remember whose show he was on, but he did say, he said if he were ever to run for, pol run for president, he would run as a Republican because they are the dumbest set of people. They are the most gullible. They take anything. He said it. And he ran and won. <laughs> so guess what, folks? I think I'm going to jump to the Republican side of the fence. They'll accept me. Lord of mercy. Whew. Really, America? Really? You know, the hypocrisy is stink in this country it's reeking not even jays can wash it out not even jays can get rid of the hypocrisy that is stinking up this country how do we expect people to be better what example are you setting if you are going to have these leaders in political offices and then javette to put him on boards to investigate Democrats? Well, he may be served with papers from Brazil now that they will have an address for him. <laughs> not. America nice, bad. Bad, bad, bad. Mm -mm. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. It is time for business and tech news. <laughs> First up, Justice Department charges Russian founder of cryptocurrency firm. Story courtesy of WSVN Miami. A Russian national who founded a cryptocurrency exchange that evaded U.S. regulations and became a haven for proceeds of criminal activity has been arrested, federal officials said on Wednesday. Antoli, who lives in China, was arrested Tuesday night in Miami and was due in court on a charge of conducting an unlicensed money-transmitting business. <sighs> How much worse is it going to get for crypto world? Prosecutors allege that Antoli, um, his China-based cryptocurrency exchange, which is Bizlato Limited, y'all pay attention, not sure if you've heard the name before, of which he served as majority owner did not implement required anti-money laundering safeguards and required only minimal identification from its users, even permitting users to supply information belonging to straw man registrants, people serving as cover for the users. The Justice Department said Bislato, either directly or through its intermediaries, 
conducted more than $700 million in cryptocurrency exchanges with users of Hydra Market, a dark net marketplace for drugs, fake identifications, and other illegal products. Who was it that yesterday we're talking about the illicit trade that happens and cryptocurrency being the um, predominant, what do you call it, choice with which to exchange goods for services, quote unquote. Hmm? <laughs> it's getting worse. It is getting worse. At this point, just pull the plug on the whole crypto market. I, I don't know. Microsoft is laying off 10,000 employees to cut costs at a tech giant. Story courtesy of BallAlert.com. Microsoft is the latest tech company to make significant cuts due to an unforeseeable economic future. On Wednesday, the CEO spoke about the layoffs, saying the company is not immune to global economic changes and as such is cutting 10,000 jobs. No one can defy gravity, and gravity here is inflation-adjusted economic growth, Nadella said. The announcement was broadcasted at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Microsoft. Okay, then. Who next? <laughs> For everybody, cut, 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 cutting. Never thought that. Well, here, here is who is next. Party City. Party City filed for bankrupt, bankruptcy protection on Tuesday, said they're weighed down by competition and years of financial losses. The largest party goods and Halloween specialty retail chain in the United States said in a regulatory filing that it reached an agreement with debt holders to cut its $1.7 billion debt load. How did it get so big? But you know what? The company said it secured $150 million in financing that will allow it to keep its stores open and operations running. As of October, the company had 761 total Party City stores and 149 temporary Halloween City stores. In 2021, Party City had more than 16,000 full and part-time employees. Party City has for years battled competition from party, for party goods and decorations, especially from big box chains and online retailers that sell a wider variety of merchandise. Target, in particular, has increased its party supplies and special events merchandise, and that's according to Neil Saunders, an analyst at Global Data Retail. This is squarely aimed at the family demographic, which traditionally shopped Party City. The emergence of Spirit Halloween, a pop-up store model, also cut into Party City sales during the key Halloween season. Competition is not the only factor that led to Party City's collapse, however. The company had to contend with rising costs during the pandemic and a helium shortage, which hurt its highly crucial balloon business. Balloons are a focal point of our growth strategy and are a key driver of our differentiated brand experience. Between 2017 and 2021, Party City sales dropped 8% to $2.2 billion. The company projected sales to remain flat in 2022. 
The company also lost money every year between 2019 and 2021 and said was on track to lose up to $199 million in 2022. Hmm. Another store that um, this month issued a grim message about its future and warning that a, and warned sorry that a bankruptcy filing is possible is Bed Bath and Beyond. Wait, did they really do that, or is it just my comment? Say it again, Sunet. I'm sorry, you chipped out for me. Say it again. So I just put that in the comment. So did you read that, or did you just read my comment? I'm curious. No, I read from the article. I didn't read your comment. Oh, that is so funny. So on um, Sunday or maybe Monday, one of these days, I went out to Bed Bath & Beyond. And when I was there, I, I texted my husband. I'm like, they're going to close before 2023 because there is nothing in this store. And no, and I, I was so disappointed because I used to go there all the time. The store was nearly empty. It was crazy. So funny. Wow. That's what I said. And it's in, my, it's in the chat. When you start talking about um, Party City, I made that comment. Because I, I saw it. Wow. Interesting. But, you know, um, Sunet, we, ha we used to have a bed, bath, and beyond about three to five miles away from us. And I thought it was doing well. But they closed it. And now if you want to go to bed, bath, and beyond, you have to go to Dadeland. I don't even know if the Dadeland store is still open, but you'd have to go that far. I'm not going that far just to go to Bed Bath & Beyond. And I, I liked using their 20% off, 15% off, 10% off, you know, the coupons. Not because there's no limit to, there's no expiration on the coupons. Right. right. So I loved using them. But went to the mall, went to Dadeland about two weeks ago because I needed to get something for my mom. And she wears naturalizer shoes so we go to naturalizer there's no naturalizer gone jump online okay let's see where the next naturalizer is okay they say there is one and we found the store number so we know exactly where to go to find it in at the international mall in doral gone there's no naturalizer. Close down. You either have to go online or you have to go into one of these big box stores exactly. like Macy's. Mm -hmm. You have to like, buy them, buy naturalizers from Zappos online. That's it. Zappos. There you go. It, it's ridiculous. It, it makes sense and it's sad. I mean, there's not staffing is a problem. Um, the building cost is a major problem too. Because why have a big building when you have three or four people coming in every hour? And what are you doing? You have to you still have to pay the rent of fifty thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, regarding the guard, depending on where the store is located. Yeah, it makes that it's sad, but yes, it's happening everywhere. Oh. I feel it for the people, the employees. I do feel it for them, which makes me raise this question. Is it that these companies, the executives, are taking too much of a cut home? Because usually these executives that sit up the, at the top, they make millions every year. 
is it really necessary for them to make millions every year? Because I believe that helps to drain a company. I may have it wrong. I don't know. It's, it's, I think you have a valid point, but I, I think it's that's not the only thing, obviously. That is a part of it, but there's a lot of other criteria. A lot of it is bad business decisions. Like, you know, um, like when it comes to certain things, people just decide that they they need to go the traditional route. So just like how um, Sonnet says, a lot of these places, the rents is 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 five ten thousand dollars per month, and you only have three people coming in the stores. Um, so it's bad business decisions. Um, the, the 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 people at the executive levels they are not making the right decisions when they see that most of their sales is coming online. They still try to keep. Uh, uh, a store open and they still try to do stuff instead of cutting costs and and cutting back on stuff and forcing stuff so is is they just not run the company right pretty much and they fail um if you see um kmart and a lot of those companies you know um refuse to change change um you see amazon force walmart and target to 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 at least do like pickups and stuff like that and then the pandemic forced some of those stuff some of those some of those big store was gonna go under <laughs> you you know because they refused to, to to change their business model so it's just bad bad management for yeah wow virginia in the chat, put more than 130 naturalized stores in Canada and the U.S. closed in 2021. Wow. As Caleras Adios, a digital strategy for the chain. Wow. Woo. So is it that the, the leaders, those who are at the helm, fail to lack vision, fail to have the ability to pivot, to change, to be able to evolve? Is it that they're being presented with suggestions, recommendations are being made, but they're standing ten toes down on what they feel has worked for them and feel it will continue to work for them? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Hmm. You have to pay attention to the landscape you have to pay attention to what's going on you have to get off the hamster's wheel don't be afraid don't be afraid to try okay you you want to preserve something fine but at least try something else while preserving that and if you find that what you're trying is working and is working better slowly make the transition if needed but you can't be so steadfast in certain things that you're not willing to bend just a little. It's only going to hurt you. And you know, Sanet, as you're talking about the Bed Bath & Beyond and how scant it is or it looked, it, is it, when we, I had to go into Party City the other day here to pick up something. And I was like, huh? They, it just felt weird. 
And I remember Marlon saying, why this place look like it's going to close down soon? That's how it felt. Well, predictions, yeah. I was, I was, I went there for Simi's birthday, so we were shopping, and it was, it wasn't empty though. Um, I got a gas tank from them because they do still sell them. They're way more expensive because, and they don't have as much helium because there is still a shortage. Right. But we we, we did it because she wanted balloons, which kids don't want balloons at their party. Um, and we, it was, it wasn't that bad. But the difference, this was November versus today and i'm not and the only one like within a, a five mile radius from me there is and the bay bath and beyond there's two no one's about eight miles away and then one is about a mile and a half so they those things are they're disappearing yeah. i'm in, i'm saying this while i am in target and getting the stuff i would normally buy bed bath and beyond so when in there i'm like i want a new bathroom rug and they had about 30 different styles there but there, they, there was just different colors of the same variation i'm like i don't want that one i don't care if it's pink or green or blue i don't want that style meanwhile i'm in this store and i'm seeing 14 different variations wow. they're winning because they can afford to pay this 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 rent in this corner but bed bath and beyond can't anymore yeah hey moment so quick question you sure you didn't read about them last year about bath and body or whatever they want to call it, closing down before talking about bankruptcy because i could have sworn that was out there that's possible that i think yeah. conversation was looming but now it seems to be more um they're more inclined to it's possible enough but as some companies will try to regroup but i guess mm. it's not working yeah yeah because when i was in uh, was it uh north carolina well, when to yeah, yeah, no, no, in North Carolina, they, they were closing down. Uh, one of the bottom body, whatever they want to call. Bed Bath um, and Beyond, yeah. Yeah, they were closing down, and they had a huge inside the mall in North Carolina, um, Carolina, and they were um, rally to be exact, and um, they were having this huge sale. And when we say the line long, the line long. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they were selling them, so they were go to business. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, and then after a while, fast forward. You know, get feeling with you guys and start another room. But that's where you touch on it that they were gonna close on, and I thought I'd, I'd mention that same thing that hey, we saw them uh, back in North Carolina and you know, huge seal, and they said they were closing down. Mm. Oh boy, um, hmm, what thank you for that, um, effort. <laughs> President said, Dollar Tree is probably next. Andre responded, yep, Dollar Tree needs to change. Family Dollar is stepping up and has started to carry everything more than a dollar, but still keeping things cheap. Um, dollar Tree, this Dollar 25 ain't cute. I'm going to tell you that. It is not cute. I don't like the Dollar 25. It throws off my calculations. But, um, yeah. But can I tell you what I found in Dollar Tree? Please. I was in there looking for something. I was in the freezer section. I was like, let me see. They sell food here? And I'm looking around, and they had beef patties from yep. Golden Cross. Yep. And I was like, what? Yep. I've told y'all I'm in a food desert for, for Jamaican food. So I bought three, and they are not bad. No. Put them in a toaster oven, let it go for about, I think, 15 minutes. Or my, I don't like the microwave version. I tried it the way they just directed it. But I prefer in a toaster oven and gotten a little crunchy. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shame. Look at them sideways or whatever. But they have some food I can get and feel somewhat like I'm a, like I'm a natural Jamaican. <laughs> 
Yeah, but I thought you were in Harrison. I, the more I, I have spoken about it, or was it naturalist? I was mentioning it. Too, but I must have missed it. Yeah, but that's where I get. I don't buy the golden cross patties from Golden Cross because they're cheaper at the Dollar Tree. And I normally when I'm buying, I buy the case. Like I'll get twenty four, or sometimes I'll stuff thirty six. Yeah. And they also, take me. Also, they use on uh, pop barrel more time because okay. first of all, the bottom not giving nothing for pudding. So, hey, and I got something <laughs> I get as well. So, I actually would just be alright, cheap, but to save all of our money. Even yeah. sometimes on the truck, instead of buying certain stuff at Walmart, we just got a dollar tree and just get it for like a dollar something and yeah, get up what, three, four bag of come out. Put up on the truck. Yeah. Walmart, I run up in the it makes sense. I find, you know, there are certain things there. For example, I'm finding, I don't know if anybody else has this issue, but I'm finding it very hard sometimes to find medium toothbrushes. And I'll find them there. And I'm talking the good ones. No, the no, good I'm ones. To find, the Colgate one. Colgate uh, medium no, toothbrush. I have found Oral-B. You know the one that has the um different length bristles and... That's a, I've had a good one yeah. there. Yeah. I have got Pears soap there, which is um, the glycerin soap. Uh, Secret deodorant. I've found that there. Um, listen, they, they have some things. Don't, don't, don't play with yeah, them. Yeah, man. Let me volume them on. Because that's that my auntie use a secret deodorant on them something. There. Yeah. So um, if I can't find my Walmart, straight at the dollar. And just grab a whole bunch of deodorant, pack up in some bag. Uh, and chewing the barrel and I that and I long. don't I don't use expensive plates because these people that I live with they break a plate as you say who is that so the plates and the glasses Dollar Tree mm -hmm. <laughs> straight to Dollar Tree no I'm serious you ask them even a Dollar Tree plate they're not care you only hear bang or crack and not a plate back the dust Marlon take time with the woman plate <laughs> Oh, yeah, so Dollar Tree, love it. Love me some Dollar Tree. Who remembers back in the day, take it back to the 90s, when they used to sell the body wash. Um, what was the popular scent? Cucumber melon. Who remembers that? And then they started bringing, Lord have mercy, Javet, nobody kill me. No. Javet, so be careful because some said those have lead in them. Listen, Javet. <sighs> All right. Javed is killing me. Netflix is offering up to $385,000 annually for a flight attendant position. Story courtesy of WSVN. Netflix is offering more than a quarter of a million dollars annually for a new position in California. The streaming service is searching for a flight attendant for the company's private jets in San Jose, which is near their headquarters in Los Gatos. Although there is no specified salary for the job, Netflix's, Netflix's website stated the salary range for this position is $60,000 to $385,000. According to the website, anyone chosen for this position will be expected to perform pre flight cabin inspections and safety briefings while maintaining the stockroom. Candidates will also have to undergo a background check as with most positions for work. 
and perform responsibilities that include performing emergency procedures before each flight to ensure the cabin is secured. The job posting also asks that the applicant be flexible with their schedule as the job is expected to include international and domestic flights that would require the worker to work weekends and holidays often. Candidates interested in the job can go to Netflix. Check it out. <laughs> the Netflix the one who claims selling them the money. Yes. <laughs> I'm needed for that corporate jet. You see why some companies will go broke? Because we're more worried about what's going on at the top than looking after the folks at the bottom. And didn't they lay people off too? Yes, they did, but they have to keep the private jet. Okay. All right. Just checking. Poor business management. Right, right, Dre? <laughs> oh, you got to go, but I got to keep the private jet. Yep. Mm -hmm. You see, these are the things that are putting companies. And you know, when the government are going to take up taxpayer money and bail out these companies that have these frivolous expenses. And then when a man who get $20,000 off of the PPP, who don't want to lock him up. This is wickedness. These large corporations are always able to file bankruptcy, get bailouts, but they're not paying attention to the, making the changes that they need to make. They're not doing it. They would rather fire all of us in here just to keep a private jet up in the air. For what? You can't fly first class or business. As a matter of fact, try to sit in the middle of the plane. Take a coach seat for me, please, and thank you. And what do they do? Write it off in, 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 in uh, what do you call it? Expenses. Business expense. Ridiculous indeed, Virginia. Ridiculous. Well, in health and science news, social isolation linked to an increased risk of dementia. That's according to a new study. Story courtesy of NPR. Socially isolated older adults have a 27% higher chance of developing dementia than older adults who are not. That's according to a new study by John Hopkins. Uh, researchers have found social connections matter for our cognitive health, and it is potentially easily modifiable for older adults without the use of medication. That's according to Dr. Thomas Kudjo, who is an assistant professor of medicine at John Hopkins. Published in the Journal of the American Geriatric Society, the study tracked 5,022 dementia-free U.S. adults who were 65 or older. With an average age of 76 and not living in a residential care facility, about 23% of participants were socially isolated. Social isolation is defined as having few relationships and few people to interact with regularly. The study measured this based on whether or not participants lived alone talked about important matters with two or more people in the past year, attended religious services, or participated in social events. Participants were assigned one point for each item, and those who scored a zero or one were classified as socially isolated. Over the course of nine years, researchers periodically administered cognitive tests. 
Overall, about 21% of the study participants developed dementia. But among those who were socially isolated, about 26% developed dementia, compared to slightly less than 20% for those who were not socially isolated. Okay. Our other um, health and science news, feds to investigate nursing home abuse of antipsychotics. Oh, here we go. The federal government says, and this is according to the Associated Press. The federal government says it will begin a targeted crackdown on nursing homes' abuse of antipsychotic drugs and misdiagnosis of schizophrenia in patients. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is launching investigations this month into select nursing homes aimed at verifying whether patients have been properly diagnosed with the psychiatric disorder. Evidence has mounted over decades that some facilities wrongly diagnose residents with schizophrenia or administer antipsychotic drugs to sedate them, despite dangerous side effects that could include death, according to the agency. No nursing home resident should be improperly diagnosed with schizophrenia or given an inappropriate antipsychotic, according to Health and Human Services Secretary Xavier Becerra. Uh, the steps we're taking today will help prevent these errors and give families peace of mind. One question. Who has held... So, evidence has mounted over decades. What repercussions have these facilities faced? Medicare and Medicaid, how long have they known this, that they're launching investigations this month? How long have they been aware of this? Well, they're saying that in 2012, the federal government began tracking when nursing homes use antipsychotics in residents. Doing so can impact the facility's quality rating in a public database but only for those who have not been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Who do we trust? Everybody's about making money. I understand that for some folks, it is hard to look after their aging parents or relatives. I get it. And, you know, nursing homes are a necessary evil. But too often, we are quick to put our family members in nursing homes. Uh, I guess I'm of the Caribbean mindset. We take care of our folks. We figure it out and we take care of our folks. We, we're not quick to shove them into nursing homes. I believe nursing homes um, accelerate the aging process and, you know, they die quicker. That's my personal feeling. I may be wrong. Because I feel that when you put me in a nursing home, you're discarding me. You're, the message you're telling me or you're sending to me is that I can't be bothered with you. I can't be bothered with you. That's what you're telling me. 
West Virginia announces an $83 million opioid settlement with Walgreens. Yes, Javette, we have that coming up in the next section. So I'm trying to rush through these. West Virginia announces $83 million opioid settlement with Walgreens. Didn't Ca- I think California had a settlement a uh, couple months back. Well, West Virginia has settled for $83 million with Walgreens for the pharmacy store chain's role in perpetuating the opioid crisis in the U.S. state with the most per capita overdose deaths. And that's according to Attorney General Patrick Morrissey when making the announcement on Wednesday. That brings the total West Virginia dollars brought in from opioid litigation to more than $950 million. Uh, The state now has one remaining opioid case to close out. A trial with Kroger is set for June. The settlement resolves a lawsuit that alleged the pharmacy chain failed to maintain effective controls to prevent an oversupply of opioids in the state. And that wraps up our stories out of the business and tech news and health and science news segment. Um, So just in... And thank you for reminding me, um, Javette. Let me bring it up here. Thank you so much for reminding me. Bring it up on the desktop. Easier for me to read. Sister girl here, bland as a bat. Um, okay, what? Okay, here we go. Actor Alec Baldwin. All right, actor Alec Baldwin and Armora. I hope I pronounced it correct. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed have been charged with involuntary manslaughter in fatal rust shooting. Story courtesy of BallerAlert.com. Actor Alec Baldwin was charged today with involuntary manslaughter in the fatal shooting of cinematographer Halina. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Halina or Halina Hutchins. And it happened on the movie set of Rust in Santa Fe, New Mexico, prosecutors announced. Hannah Gutierrez read the film's armorer, who was in charge of firearms on the set, was also charged with involuntary manslaughter. Assistant director David Halls agreed to plead guilty to negligent use of a deadly weapon, according to the Santa Fe District Attorney, Mary Carmack Altwiese's office. After a thorough review of the evidence and the laws of the state of New Mexico, I have determined that there is sufficient evidence to file criminal charges against Alec Baldwin and other members of the Rust film crew. On my watch, no one is above the law and everyone deserves justice. Special Prosecutor Andrea Reeb added, if any one of these three people, Alec Baldwin, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, or David Halls had done their job, Miss Hutchins would be alive today. It's that simple. The evidence clearly shows a pattern of criminal disregard for safety on the Rust film set. In New Mexico, there is no room for film sets that don't take our state's commitment to gun safety and public safety seriously. In October 2021, cinematographer Miss Hutchins was fatally shot during the filming of Rust at the Bonanza Creek Ranch in New Mexico. Baldwin was rehearsing with a pistol for a scene when the gun went off, killing Hutchins and wounding the film's director, Joel Sousa. Thank you so much um, for reminding me, Javette. Do we think he's going to... So he's facing criminal charges. They are facing criminal charges. Do we think... um, 
it's going to result in him going to jail or what do we think is going to happen? Well, it was a manslaughter charge. Yeah, involuntary manslaughter. Yeah, um, yeah. I have to Google to see how they handle that. In where this happened in California? Uh, uh, where 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 were they shooting? Hold on, let me pull it back up because it just closed out on me. I don't know what's going on with Baller Alert. Y'all need to get it together, Baller Alert. I think it was Arizona, wasn't it? Ar Arizona. Yeah, I said uh, Arizona or another one of the or New Mexico. New, New Mexico. Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. So uh, we have to see how they treat involuntary manslaughter there. I know yeah. some states. Is like you will get five years. I know in Connecticut, um, I personally know someone that uh, was a car accident and they were drunk and the person died and they only did a year. So, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be anything really stiff on him that, you know, but he probably don't even do any jail time. We, we don't know. I have to see what New Mexico, how New Mexico thing works. I agree. I don't think he's going to get a lot of time. I I, I think the person, the property manager is going to get more trouble than Alec Baldwin. Because Alec Baldwin is just like a dumb actor playing with a weapon. But the person who's managing the, um, the, 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 the plot gun should have been the one who should get in, um, who should have done more. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, so now it's, you know, everybody's going to be paying attention to see how that plays out, right? So unfortunate that this young lady died. Uh, we have some stories that we're going to cover tomorrow. Stephen Smith, he put his foot in his mouth saying that Rihanna ain't Beyonce. Duh, we know that. And he had to apologize. Um, also, Derek Chauvin's lawyer is expected to ask the court to throw out his murder convictions. And Trump criticizes evangelical leaders for not backing his 2024 presidential bid. <laughs> Coming up also tomorrow, ASAP Rocky, Rocky is more excited than everybody else about Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime performance and yes Geely, uh whoever is responsible for the props in that movie said should be held accountable in my opinion agree Another Barris Hammond. I 
I gotta say thank you to all the listeners who logged on to the QMZRadio.com. Keep it locked there for quality music while you work or play. QMZRadio.com for that good music to get you through your day. Thank you to everyone who listened online on JanoRadio.com. By now, you should have already downloaded that app, J-A-H-K-N-O. Jano Radio, take us on the go. And thank you to everyone here with me on Clubhouse. This was this is where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you were listening to Coffee in Tow, World News on the Go. We do this every Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Thank you so much for the great conversation, shared views, interesting perspectives. Varying opinions as always. She might not say it, but she needs tenderness in her life. When I look in your eyes, baby, I see clear as a morning sun. I gotta take some more time off and give you extra fun. Now, 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 I hope you like it. And I hope you never get tired. And I never have to go to work. I love this song. Absolutely love this song. Can't go wrong with Barris Hammond. Not at all. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, me media moments on Instagram, moments underscore with underscore me underscore media, and on TikTok, moments with me media. Catch you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern. Thank you so much. QMZ Radio, Jano Radio, this is Moments with me signing out. Stay, it's me.